what can I do right now to be profitable, but also enjoy myself? You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Are you ready to discover what's possible for you? Are you ready to live a more meaningful life and do work that matters? On November 16 and 17, I am leading the next Reinvention Roadmap. This is a two-day training I created on the principles I teach my clients to achieve the things they once thought were impossible. Things like going from zero to six figures in three months. Going from dreading their nine-to-five job to doing purpose-driven work. Going from overworked and burnt out to freeing up more than 20 hours a week to do more of what they love. If you know you're meant for more in life and business but don't know where to start, join us at Reinvention Roadmap. Imagine what would become possible if you spent two whole days gaining the clarity, direction, and guidance to understand yourself at your core, break through hidden roadblocks, tap into your inner wisdom and intuition, and the actionable step-by-step process to transform your life. For tickets and information, go to reinventionroadmap.ca and use the promo code Ohm Show at checkout to save yourself 10%. That is Ohm Show, O-M-S-H-O-W. And as a valued listener of the show for a limited time, you can save that extra 10% off of the early bird price. Go to reinventionroadmap.ca and use the promo code Ohm Show. Welcome to the Oliver Manley Show. I am your host, Oliver Manley's. Excited to have you join us each week for a dose of inspiration and practical insights on doing purpose-driven work and living a meaningful life. Each week, hear from high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders as I uncover the principles and ways of being that had them turn adversity into triumph and transform breakdowns into breakthroughs. Today on the show, we have the powerful Andrew Bruner. I'm super excited to share this one with you guys. Andrew is someone I've known for many years through the world of real estate, and he's someone I truly admire for his work ethic, his dedication, his creativity, his humor. Anytime we get a chance to hang out, it's always full of laughs, insight, and inspiration. But guys, heads up. It is a record breaker. This episode is two plus hours long, but I promise you it is well worth the experience. Andrew is an entrepreneur and real estate broker out of Toronto, Canada. Leading the charge in this real estate tech renaissance era, Andrew has carved a name for himself in the tech and startup space. Fueled by the evolving tech space, he has a very playful and explorative approach to business and life. Growing up in a very poor neighborhood riddled with crime and the son of immigrant parents, Andrew has been fueled by the idea of creating a better life for himself and the people around him. Graduating from York University with an economics degree, he took a stab at the banking industry and realized his passion and skill set was more suited toward entrepreneurship, eventually leading him to the real estate sector. Licensed and brokering sales since 2005, Andrew now runs a modest real estate team at a startup brokerage, Cloud Realty. 
After 10 years with one of the big brands, he decided to move towards a more tech-forward brokerage that attracted other tech entrepreneurs and eventually spawned a collaborative environment. As one of the four original brokers at Cloud, the office has grown to 100-plus agents in less than four years and is now one of the fastest-growing brokerages in Canada's largest market. Andrew just launched his opus to the real estate industry, condomapper.ca. He's the founder and CEO for Condomapper International. And when we sat down for this interview, it was literally just a few months away from his exciting new platform launch. And you'll get a feel for what a day in the life of a true entrepreneur feels like. Together, we talk about the elimination diet. We talk about his life as a real estate entrepreneur, his brilliant side hustle, renting out his fully loaded Tesla, his unique inbound marketing business model for his real estate business, accountability, integrity. We talk about being hospitalized from overwork. This part, I I really urge you to tune into what he has to say about that experience. The importance of taking care of your health, severing old relationships, including business partnerships and what that's like, the importance of appreciating your parents' hard work, his perspective on sales and marketing, and so, so much more. Guys, it is with pleasure that I share with you my interview with Andrew Bruner. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to sit. Go, Yeah, go Buddhist monk style, yeah, man. I feel, like, I feel like Buddhist monk style is, <laughs> is the right way to go. <laughs> I feel it'll it'll end up shifting yeah, yeah. as we go along. You start zen like, and then you'll be on your feet by the end. <laughs> at, at least we could hope for that. Sweet, dude. Honestly, so um, just for the people who are listening to the episode, this is going to be a super. It's going to be casual, but I feel it's going to be very lighthearted, beautiful, and also deep and intense at the same time. Just because there's there's many layers of Andrew Bruner. And uh, just for, for those people who can't, uh, who, who, who don't know Andrew and what his life is about, like, let me give you a depiction. We're doing the interview on location here. What's, the, what's this area called? Humber Bay? Humber Bay. Humber Bay, mm-hmm. which is a new area. Um, and I, I'm not even familiar with it. Like, it's <laughs> on the west, like, just on the west end of Toronto, right before downtown. And we are, like, gazing at floor to ceiling, windows. Like corner unit, so much space. The lake is just—it's—it's it's so beautiful over there, and you can see Toronto. You can see the Toronto skyline starting to come starting out, starting to clear up because there, there's some fog today. And like, man, what an inspiring space to live in. <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, I'm enjoying it. To be honest, I, I feel like you need inspiration every day. Like you, if you don't feel inspired by your, your surrounding, you're not achieving what you should be achieving, you know? And if that environment isn't serving you, then you should go find it, you know? We're not in this small microcosm where you can't move or you can't explore. You got to really, you got to search, you know, and not be so confined to your space. Mm-hmm. It's like when P- Hurricane Katrina hit, people knew that it was going to hit and they stayed. And they were like, yeah, flood our village and we'll just swim around in our backyard. They knew it was coming. So move. <laughs> if you don't like your environment, like let's say, let's, say you're a, let's say you're a gay Appalachian miner, okay? And, um, and the boys in, in the cave don't like that and they harass you. You could move. San Francisco and Toronto will accept you with open arms. Like, being constrained by your environment is the definition of hell. 
And I feel like if you just surround yourself with the environment physically and figuratively, you'll achieve and, and attain your best life, you know? You know, this weekend I just hosted a workshop and I was giving an example that kind of describes what you're trying to talk about, which is the environment. Because I just had this random uh, inclination to search up how many palm trees are actually originating from California. Because I remember driving down L.A. and seeing these tall palm trees as you're driving down the road. I don't know why I searched this, but I'm just like, okay, well, how many palm trees come from California? And there's only one. There's only one. The rest of them, which is like, there's like over 80 different kinds or maybe 100 different kinds of palm trees, they're all imported. And to me, that's so interesting because if you take the seed and you put it in the right environment, the right climate, the right nurturing, the right amount of sun, it would thrive. That's and you take these palm trees, you take those seeds that were imported to California, you bring it to Toronto, what would happen? It would well, they would die. They would die here. Yeah, they would, they, they would maybe grow a little bit in the summer, but eventually they would die with the six minutes. Drive and die. Yeah, exactly. But like that's kind of what 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 you're saying kind of reminds me of. It's like putting yourself in the in the right space, the right environment that cultivates that that inspiration, the creativity. Absolutely. And even as I walk in, I'm just like, and I've already I've seen videos, I've seen pictures of it, but just like walking in, there's a there's a feeling that that you get. It's like. This is what Andrew values. Hundred percent, yeah. And I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You gotta, you gotta basically create a hierarchy of what you value, and then, and then try to attain those things in priority. You know, mm-hmm. some people they value their day to day conveniences, like that. Like that's closer to you. They, you know, they they value those, uh, you know, seven dollar star Starbucks lattes or whatever, and that's that's all they need. They don't need the view or some people, you know, they're really into, uh, they just want to play piano every day and that's all they want. They don't care about attaining wealth. Mm -hmm. You know, you just got to be honest with yourself and figure out what is, what is going to make you happy from day one and then try to create a priority list of what you want out of life and then just focus on that. For me, um, it's increasingly become balance and, and learning, learning how to uh, recalibrate your lifestyle so that you're not just working and in this perpetual hamster wheel all day, I'm trying to find balance right now. So one of the biggest steps I had to take to get to that point would be to to have this scenic backdrop. For mm-hmm. me, it it's just... a dream backdrop. I mean, it just drops my blood pressure. I feel, even though there's a garbage truck right now <laughs> out front and you can hear it smashing all this trash... Uh, you know, when that goes away, my blood pressure will come right back down. Yeah. I'm enjoying this there's, neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's there's peace in the midst of the chaotic city. Yeah, like, like the, the busy, busy city. And then you still get access to everything, right? Yeah, so you're in the you middle can of head it. Head downtown if you want to have, uh, you want to have a wild night out and and explore the city and check out different restaurants. You can do that. Mm-hmm. But then you can come home and retire to peace and quiet and. And a bunch of retired older people with little pet dogs. And, you know, that I love that. I love the quietness. So for me, this is created, it, it spawned a lot of creativity. And that's why this is the top of my priority list. And in the hierarchy, uh, finding balance has always been number one for the last two years. Yeah. And then, so for the people who are tuning in, they don't know who you are, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share with 
share with them like who you are to me at least i mm-hmm. i see you as somebody who is um like a high performer an overachiever um you're in, an incredibly talented real estate professional thank you sir you have a very keen eye for design which is another which is another thing like like you have bluecarpet.ca you go to that website you're just like this is like beautifully done like it's it's really well done the photos of the properties that you put up on the market like the way those are presented mm-hmm. like is very crisp very clean mm-hmm. um so you're you're definitely like a, a very high level professional in my eyes like uh, very excellent at what you do but then there's also like a very ridiculous <laughs> side like people who are listening to the first five minutes are like wow he Andrew's so zen, so relaxed. <laughs> and then, so there's so many layers to you because... And then we go into the Appalachian day, Miners and then, oh, <laughs> things go off the rail. Eh? Oh, there's the web developers' Instagram stories oh, yeah, where you just annihilated just one web developer <laughs> after another with your comments. And I'm just like, wow, that is ruthless. Yeah, yeah. So ruthless, but funny. Like I was literally dying with every... <laughs> Every time, like, the story just continued on, on Instagram. So you have this crazy, <laughs> ridiculous sense of humor. And then there's also, like, you're like a health nut. Right. You're, you're, before we started, you're like, hey, man, do you want any, like, nootropics? Or what did you say? <laughs> what did you say? Do you want any cognitive enhancers? Co- cognitive yeah, en- yeah. enhancers. Come, come have a look at my little toolbox over here by the bamboo. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, like, ten different pill bottles. I don't even know what... That's the starting the lineup. I mean, uh, you know, that's that's what... Those are my go-to. But then <laughs> yeah. I have my uh, bench warmers waiting in the in the pantry. So, I mean, these ones... Uh, yeah, these are my go-to if I really want to be on point. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend uh, Bacopo Monieri if you, you ever get a chance. Have you have you tried that one? No, I've never tried that no? before. Yeah, play with it. Bacopo Monieri? Bacopa Monieri. Bacopa Monieri. Mm-hmm. I don't never heard of it. Yeah, it's an adaptogen. So what it does if um you know, if you, if you're feeling off or stressed or you know, it's an it's like an anxiolytic, it'll kind of calm you down. It'll bring you back. Um, if you feel you know, if any of your hormones are out of balance, it'll do its best to recalibrate you. Uh, but it's also a really good cognitive enhancer. So if you want to, you know, you want your mental peak performance, you want to be on point for whatever, uh, let's say you're doing a podcast or you're doing a big keynote mm. talk or, you know, it's your first time doing public speaking or maybe you're a Toastmasters and you're just trying to learn the art of public speaking. It'll kind of put you in the right space at least from a, a, a bio level, you're going to understand, you're going to, you're going to, your cognition is going to improve on some level to mm-hmm. some degree. But again, we're all different, right? So, I mean, yeah. it might affect you like, in one like, way. You're the guy who you experiment on yourself so that you can find out like what works, what works best. Absolutely. And then you can make recommendations. hundred percent. I mean, that's like, a, I feel like that's a whole different side. <laughs> that's a different side of you. Yeah, I mean, it's the side I'm, I'm on like, when I'm not trashing web developers for not doing work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all balance, remember? Um, yeah. The way I look at it, I mean, if you got to... Okay, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of optimizing your, your potential, your human potential, right? So, uh, yeah, I noticed that on your website. You're like oh, obsessed with that. design, with real estate, and then with human potential. And I'm just like, absolutely. yeah, that's, that's, those are... Uh, that's a great way to describe yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one big part of that is is just you, this meat vessel that we're walking around with. The problem with 
a lot of people is, you know, they don't feel good in the morning. They wake up, they're very lethargic, then they're just dragging their feet through the day. And I'm of the, the, I'm a proponent of if you feel that way, stop, stop that day and start experimenting, taking things out. So doing an elimination diet, start with that. Like food. And then, yeah, start to see if there's anything that's creating inflammation or throwing you off. Maybe you have an intolerance. Go to Rexall Pharmacy and do an allergy test. Mm. And it'll, they'll test you for 200 variables or, or types of foods Different or ingredients. sensitivities and things like that yeah. that might be causing some, some physical stress. Because it's, it's not necessarily... Inflammation. That's just it, right? I mean, it might not be the environment or the stress. It's the fact that your body cannot deal with it because it's not getting the nutrients that you need or it's receiving too many anti-nutrients mm -hmm. so start with an elimination diet figure out if you have inflammation or like your gut biome is off and then go see a naturopath get some get some recommendations from the professional don't try to do it on your own mm -hmm. and then slowly i like to bring in certain things into my 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 repertoire or whatever my diet and then only one at a time that way you're really testing a variable the way a scientist would right so, I mean, if you have a hypothesis, you can only test one variable at a time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you create an experiment where too many variables can ruin the outcome for you. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, if you do a combination of so many different things, how do you know which one is the one that actually made the improvement you don't. for you? Or it yeah. could have been a synergistic thing where five things combined created that improvement for you, but two of the five you didn't really need. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it gives you kind of... Um, like on a grassroots level, it gives you uh, an idea of what your body needs. And your body will always tell you, you know, you got to trust your body to, you got to trust your body to tell you what it needs and what it doesn't need. And for me, you know, I've, I've tested virtually every herb or, you know, adaptogen or anything that can help optimize performance. I've, mm -hmm. I've dabbled with. And and that's, I think the curiosity is what leads you down that path. Mm -hmm. So I'm not scared to try different things. I just want to optimize potential and, yeah. and not feel weird in the morning or, you know, dragging through my days. I want to enjoy it. I want to get the full, full, um, spectrum of my day and I want to really enjoy it and be present for it, you know? Yeah, and, that, and that's one thing that, like, we were commenting before, like, on the elevator. And I'm just like, hold on a second. We're going to, you know, we should wait so that we can catch this all, so we can record it all. But, I mean, you just came back from Niagara Falls, and you're like, Oliver, can we just push it a little bit by an hour because we're going to take some downtime tonight. And I was kind of commenting also on the fact that you're, you're posting pictures of, like, hey, I'm on my solo hike <laughs> in Mount Nemo. Yeah, that's and, my spot, uh, man. Like, like, you are, doing, you're, you are uh, doing the things that are very, uh, like, committed to, to, to the value of, of balance in your yes. life. Yes, yes. And, you know, like, I want to congratulate you because you've done so many incredible things in the last couple of years. But, but here's the deal, man. I, like, uh, you just thank posted. You, thank you, like, first. <laughs> for people who are paying attention, like, you just posted, like, a whole like a buttload of properties you just sold right like it was like an endless list and i messaged you jokingly i'm like is that it are you kidding me dude <laughs> i don't know i don't know how i responded but i wanted to say it's just a warm-up or, some, or something stupid like that something and then you ignorant. got you, you got the tesla like congrats yeah. on that man That's yeah but i'll give you an update on that too i mean okay here's the thing it was 
it was an investment, right? I was doing it for cash flow. The idea was, I mean, you got to embrace new technologies and new apps. And uh, one of them is Turo. It broke into the Ontario market. It's a car share program. And they're really starting to do heavy radio ads. So they're trying to get their name out and their user base. They're trying to get adoption and expand it. Um, it's already wildly successful in the States. I'm on a message board where there's, there's a guy who's 34 and he has 230-something cars on his fleet. I just said it's an that. an individual person? One person has 230-plus cars. Private. And he's, he talks and casually. And he uses it through the app. Yeah. So he has what? basically he owns a car lot in the States, and he basically – each car is in a spot, a numbered spot, and basically there's a drop time and pickup time, and there's like a whole protocol on how he leases them out. And his, he's – a wild millionaire from this, uh, just from embracing the technology and then oh. understanding the nuances on how to run that business. So, I mean, I got that's why I researched it for about four months and I thought, okay, this is a great way to get cash flow because when someone's looking to rent a car, who wouldn't want the Tesla experience? Who wouldn't yes. want to try out a nice brand new tech car that has the potential to drive itself to wherever you want to go? Uh, and and I think that's that the was appeal. The mindset behind doing it. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've always admired uh, the car, and it, when yeah. it came out in 2012, I was obsessed with it. Right, mm-hmm. but I told myself I wouldn't even entertain getting it until it was a viable option. Like I'm not going to go into extreme debt to do it. Right. Yeah. So when this Turo program came to Ontario, I started exploring, and I thought, okay, here's a creative way where I can actually drive my dream car. And not, not even entry-level version. I'm yeah. talking, you know, I can get the, the top-level one with all the bells and whistles, but still rent it out a certain amount of days per month and enjoy it for 10 days out of the month and be profitable and make uh, cash flow out of it. So are you, so you're in the positive? Like, yeah, 100%. With, but with here's it. where the drama came in, okay? So ah, two months of positive cash flow, three months, three months, and it was doing really well. The return on investment was phenomenal. And then all of a sudden... I rented it to someone, and you have to claim if you're going to be a primary or secondary driver. And, and I guess they gave the keys to someone else, a friend, and this meathead rear-ended someone. And, uh, I mean, the scary part for me is I had uh, the police were calling my phone from unknown number, and they thought I crashed and ran and fle- fled the scene because apparently this guy ran away with the keys. He crashed. He ran into someone, and then just dashed with the keys oh right oh my god so so the whole front end was mangled and then uh you know i had to do an insurance claim so i'm in the middle of it right now and you can't get parts for like four months in toronto it's impossible for, for teslas as, as yeah. well yeah especially. so it's almost impossible even if so you, it's parked yeah it's parked in a oh. garage for now <laughs> it's waiting on one last part uh there's one last sensor that is is an issue so and that guy got charged yeah, I mean, right? I, didn't, I didn't go into the uh, freedom of information thing with Peel Police, but I'm going to just for curiosity and see what really what went down. What happened? But apparently he's, he was a fugitive for two days they were looking for him. But the person who <laughs> rented it from you let's, let that person drive it. That's so right. it wasn't even the person through the no. app. No, it wasn't. Because I'm sure the they screen, right? If it's, yeah, they vet if it's everyone driving, coming through. It's for like it's, yeah. Look, it's a great app. And, um, you know, I love the experience. Even though it ended up with a negative experience uh, afterward, while I was doing it and learning how to actually run the business and, and, and basically 
I automated everything. So yeah. I would be able to open the car door with the, the app remotely from wherever I was in the city. I could just leave it parked in my garage and they could pick it up anytime. They just have to text me five minutes away and Amazing. then I'll hit the app and open the doors for them. If it was, you know, if it was warm at the time, I would just have the, the AC on the perfect level, cooling the car. I'd have nice, pleasant music. And then on the touch screen, I would actually have a welcome note. Welcome. Yeah, Tony. I saw someone, someone uh, <laughs> yeah. tagged you in it, right? And yeah. then you reshared it. Yeah. You so. put like a handwritten uh, <laughs> note on the touch welcome screen. Welcome to Canada because he's here from Mexico to just explore the city. So cool. Because Toronto's, Toronto's a hype city. Like uh, yeah. if you're not from Toronto... There's a million things you could do. You could go to a new restaurant downtown every day for the next three, four years and still have a whole bevy of restaurants to go to mm -hmm. afterward. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just so much to explore in Toronto. So we get a lot of we had a lot of international people that came in from Mexico, Dubai, um, Switzerland. And those were your renters. Yeah, from That's everywhere. So cool, eh? So I'd always Did you get try to, to meet them at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I made an effort to the ones I had general interest in meeting. I would actually meet with them and kind of. You know, just get a feel for who they are and and what they're going to do when and they're do the in town. Key exchange face to face. Yeah, and I, and the, the ones I couldn't meet, I'd have a little thing where I'd always have like a little gift basket waiting for them. It'd be like a thank you card personalized for them, uh, a protein bar, energy drink, um, some water, and then you know, it's it's the idea if you're going to run a business, really try to create the the experience. For whoever your your client is or your customer, right? That's the blue carpet experience. Hundred percent, and that's 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 the ethos of of where every part of my business has has come from. The core of it so the is the breakthroughs have been happening. Hundred percent. Every single break breakthrough I've ever had has come from understanding what the consumer or the client wants, and then deconstructing it on my level and how how can I create the experience for them. Mm -hmm. So for that rental service, the idea was if I want to get five-star reviews and I want to get 55-star reviews within, 50, uh, within, let's say, four months or whatever it is, three months, I got to create a six-star service for them. Yeah. And that way I'm guaranteed to get pushed up in the, in the Turo rankings. And, and you know, anytime someone bails on a, on a rental, I'm the reliable guy who has one ready to go. And Turo, the company, will always refer them to my car, right? Were you foreseeing like a fleet? Yeah, that was and actually... You, yeah? So, okay, here's a the original plan. Tesla. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, my own competition, right? I'd be like cannibalizing my own market. <laughs> 10 Teslas uh, competing with my own, uh, uh, you know, market within Toronto. But yeah, right now there's not many in Toronto, right? So there's only a few that you can have that experience with. My idea so was nice, like, like you were catching it, you were trying to catch it early. Early, that's like, right. Yeah. And that's another thing I'm a huge proponent of is try to identify the apps or technologies or spaces that people haven't accepted or adopted yet, mm -hmm. but have like uh, people it will catch fire. It's just a matter of time. And if you're the first one in, you're an early adopter you have the best chance of being the one who makes it, right? Mm -hmm. Every successful business should think that way yeah. in the beginning. So my idea was you start with the car and then I would get an Airbnb condo unit and then I was going to bundle the two because I figure if someone's in town, they're going to need a car. All, yeah. And then you basically have a turnkey operation for cash flow. So that's one clever way to do it. Um, but again, if you look at the trend, 
Airbnb uh, condos are going to be pretty restricted in Toronto. Eventually, they're already cracking down in almost yeah, every condo bylaw. Can't as much anymore. Yeah, so there's some buildings that even though as soon as they were built out, they were um, they were built out with the idea that a portion of the units are going to be Airbnb. Eventually, because of all the stupidity that goes on, like we had the chair girl in Toronto that was literally an Airbnb uh, renter and was throwing a chair off the balcony and videotaping what? it. I mean, this, this chair girl was a maniac. And the thing is, when she got busted and taken in, uh, she was posing on camera, you know, like, oh, look at me. It was her, her Hollywood moment, right? And she wants to turn that probably into a reality series or some nonsense. But the point is, events like that are what's going to basically... Um, crack down Airbnb condos mm-hmm. and change the the laws or the bylaws on that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's still risky to do these type of things. And if you're an early adopter... Well, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're like on cutting edge territory where like it's still mm-hmm. kind of gray. You don't... It's unestablished territory. That's right. Like unestablished waters. And there is people doing the Airbnb thing for years now, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, there's, I mean, there's a girl on Airbnb in Toronto right now, Christine. If you look it up, she has almost every luxury unit downtown. I mean, and these things are, are palatial. Like, yeah, she has basically three-bedroom units where you can sleep eight people in them and massive, beautiful units. She's got a really good mm-hmm. program she's in Toronto. So she's figured it out. But the idea for me was I wanted to combine the two and cross-promote on two different platforms mm-hmm. that were emerging in Toronto and that now I can double like, the cash flow. you're not busy flow. at all, right? So you have, yeah. time, you have time to create these new, <laughs> these new ventures, right? Curiosity, <laughs> is man. Is that what it is? Curiosity. I, I got I to be curious and I got to stay curious, right? Yeah. And I'm not scared to fail. So the thing is, like, this Turo experience, yes, I had a bit of a setback. But guess what? When I get the keys again in, in two weeks or whatever it is, when I'm expecting, You'll be back I'll be back online with, you know, 25, 30 five-star reviews ready to go. And uh, I'm not going to let some meathead who crashed my car uh, spoil what my goal and dream was to do with all this. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be that guy who has the combination Airbnb condo and rental Well, that's car. the risk, right? I mean, like it's a, when it's a business, they, you know, every opportunity is going to have risks. You're using a vehicle. You know, obviously the risks are being on the road and, mm-hmm. and collisions and potentially people's lives and things like that. But I mean cross your fingers that you know statistically like most people are going to be very safe and very mindful yeah it's not going to happen again i mean i checked the probability there's no way it's almost better that you had it so early that's right right? because then like you kind of got like the worst god-given fear out of the way yeah and now you can just (laughs) move forward with it it's actually that right. doomsday scenario. Yeah, so you had the on, worst case scenario: runaway, runaway driver, <laughs> fugitive, rear, rear end. The guy was a fugitive. <laughs> what the hell? I got cops calling my uh, my parents' home. Even that's the funny part. They, they even the reached out connected? there. Yeah. yeah, so they looked up my my last name. They tried Jeez. my phone with unknown number, you know, unknown number, and then they started calling my parents and freaking them out, like I was a part of a hit and run, right? So I mean, yeah, it was an ordeal, and you know, I could look at it. Like, oh, this, you know, this totally soiled the experience for me with Turo. And, and I can throw that experience away and try something else. Or I can still see the potential it already had. I mean, it always had. And then just 
keep pursuing it. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I got out of the way the hardest part. And I, if you bounce back from that, everything else is going to be very easy mm-hmm. at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know about the fleet, but I definitely want to do the, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to get a car lot with 234 cars. Yeah, That's insanity, yeah. man. How are you going to manage that? But I definitely want to do the combination. Like complementary businesses. They, they go hand in yeah. hand for for someone coming in. They provide a real value, yeah. right? So, I mean, there's a real need for that. And it's scarce. Like uh, not enough people are are entertaining these type of platforms as mm-hmm. they should be. Like Turo should be big right now. Car share is everything right now, yeah. right? It's just we're I guess later adopters in California. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're, they got scooter car, car scooter share programs out there, right? So Jeez. <laughs> they're always a step or two ahead of us, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to continue with it once uh, once I get those keys back. <laughs> yeah, I, like I, I hope that um, that's a very rare case. Yeah, moving forward, because well, that's it has to be. Because <laughs> that's the thing that other people think of uh, when they when they look at you know taking an Uber, mm-hmm. right? There's sometimes there's bad news when Ubers uh, have accidents, or there's just like just like things that you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe that would happen. Right? Like, does that make an impact on? How many people use it that month or that week? Right. Like, I have, I have no idea. They're, right? they're going to yeah, forget about gonna be, it. Yeah. It's does like, it, does it's it like, just get buried in the news and it's like just goes into the past? Or? Yeah. I mean, unless, unless you're like Bill Cosby and you did something rapey like him, that's going to that's gonna haunt you forever, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, people won't forget about that. But, mm-hmm. you know, little things, little things like uber in the news for something that went wrong people will forget and maybe because about it's it also quick. it's like it's it's mass right you have thousands or even millions of users you know you just take a percentage of that mm-hmm. population you're bound to be some like negative negative situations right there has to be like, law of large numbers right yeah, exactly. the more you grow in anything you do there's always mm. you're exposed to more risk of things like that happening yeah. So you got to assume the risk. I mean, that's part of the thing about being an entrepreneur or running your own business is you have to be comfortable with the risk that you're going to take. And you have to also work backwards. What is my worst case scenario? Am I, can I accept that? Will I be okay? Can I cope with it if it happens and bounce back? Mm-hmm. And if you're good with that, then honestly, it's going to be an easy business for you to run. Yeah. So I, I like to think of those doomsday scenarios before I get involved. And then look at the Hollywood picture and what I can do with it. You know, mm. that's that's the way I've always operated. Yeah, there's a, you know there's an interesting thing around uh, like meditating on the worst possible scenario. I know the Stoics do it. Yep. And I know there's some strains of the Buddhists who do it, where they will actually meditate and contemplate the worst things happening to their friends, their family members, themselves, their lives, Man. just to ground themselves. You know, just to learn how to appreciate. So they would spend the moment thinking, like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? Like, to friends, family, me, to my life. And then they just get oriented to gratitude. Man. Like, it brings them to, like, wow, like, look how abundant life already is. Right. Like, maybe tomorrow, there, I don't have a tomorrow. Maybe I don't get one. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I really, uh, I like the Stoic philosophy, you know. I think it's very important to... Uh, to do things like that to ground yourself. So in a crisis scenario, you don't feel the pressure that you normally would. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes too. Yeah. Um, so I, I do some stoic 
practices like the cold shower in the morning. Yeah. You know, I think that's important. Just, I guess, anything during the day that can make you somewhat uncomfortable, because then you become battle ready for whenever yeah. things get tough, you're not going to crack. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think you got to do certain things like that. And, you know, look, we're human. So our nature is to always take the last, uh, the path of least resistance, right? We don't want to Basically, we don't want to experience that pain and we want to be as comfortable as we can be. But your biggest gains in life are when you actually experience the pain and you can come back from it. So ah, that's a brilliant segue for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Because I, 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 I do want to open up you know, what has been painful for you in your mm-hmm. life. Because I find that probably the most interesting thing for me um, how some of our gifts are born from the wounds of, of our lives, mm-hmm. but you know, just just for some context, like what's what's the composition of your day to day life <laughs> right now? Like, how does Andrew spend his time, and who are you engaging with, and what way are you engaging with them? Who's participating in your life and in your businesses, and how are you? You know, what contribution are you making? Like, give mm-hmm. us a you know, give us an idea of what that looks like, so we can see. Absolutely. A little pe- peer in a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, to give a background, um, you know, I'm, I'm in real estate and I run a team. It's a small team, a very modest one, five guys, one great assistant, amazing Janelle. Hey, Janelle, what's going on? <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we have a small team and, you know, we created an environment with this team where basically it's it's idea sharing and it's a very free-flowing environment where we all benefit from the sum of our parts right so i may have a perspective on something within business that is completely polar to one of our agents but they have a different point of view on it so we implement both at different times and see what works better right so i mean one one of the things um i've always tried to do is surround myself with people because in business the loneliest way to live is when you're a solo sole proprietor Mm -hmm. and that will stunt your growth more than anything because I I feel like as humans, we need that camaraderie. We need people around us that not only we learn from, but we, we also that lift us up when we need that. Right. So, uh, one of the big things, uh, you know, my day is about keeping the team strong, right? It's about, team building and creating that environment so you know we have a message board on slack and we're always back and forth on there and we're basically trying to we're trying to keep uh, everyone you know everyone up to date with what's going on with our team initiatives and and how to build business better and that sort of thing retaining clientele and so that's a big part of my morning is just that and sharing different ideas and protocols we use that have been successful so that's like the management side. I make sure to make time for that every day because mm-hmm. that's, that's very important. Um, aside from that, I mean, you know, the mornings for me are about getting your head right. So I do have morning rituals. I know you're a huge, huge advocate for morning rituals. And actually, you're the one who inspired this for me, Oliver. Um, you know, to give everyone an idea, the reason we're having this podcast right now is because I reached out to Oliver originally. And, you know... I was in this space where it was all about business and hustle and there was no downtime. There was no, you know, self, uh, self-care and, and taking care of, you know, just your sanity and, and your health. 
And Oliver is actually one of the people who got me back to equilibrium. So I, I really want to thank you for that, man. Uh, you've been a huge inspiration for me from day one. And I can't thank you enough for that. So you really gave me an idea on how to do my morning ritual properly and how to really kickstart your day in a way that will make you optimal and, and as productive as you can be when it counts, you know? So I do things like in the morning, uh, part of my morning ritual, obviously the cold shower thing. Um, I've been big into meditation. Uh, for me, I like meditating outdoors. So the area I'm in it lends itself really well to that. I mean, we have like this little peninsula island across from where I'm at. And I just go for a little walk down the trail, see all the little cute dogs. And uh, then I get to, you know, I get to meditate in basically the woods in the middle of the city. So I enjoy that. That's kind in of the woods in the <laughs> middle of the city. <laughs> so it's it yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's it, for me, it's a great way to be grounded every day. And it's part of my routine. I don't want to ever take out again. But in the winter, it gets cold. So I don't always get out there and I should probably get out more. But I find time wherever I'm at. So even if I'm at an appointment, I'll be in the car and I'll do that first thing in the morning if I can before the appointment. Um, other things I'll do, you know, I really enjoy getting the gym out of the way because I just find, <laughs> you know, like once the phone starts ringing, it's this crescendo of it never stops, you know. So do you go here or do you go to, do you go to another gym? Um, so for me, I have two. I'm assuming you have a gym here. Yeah, we have one here, yeah. um, but it, again, it's not fully equipped. It's kind of like. Fisher Price, my first gym. Like it's not, it's not. You don't see any meatheads, and you know, yeah, I, w- I want to be around like real be. savage meatheads, and I want to be around fitness competitors that yeah. are like you know depleted to death, looking like Skeletor. Like a gold's two <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I want to see the extreme uh, fit types around me, so that I feel I have something to aspire to move toward. Right? Like if you just play up to the level of people around you. And you don't see the possibility of some people getting to that crazy low body fat or that amazing jacked physique you've always wanted. You won't feel the inspiration. So I like to get out of my home home gym and then get out to Extreme Couture for boxing. And then, you know, one of the good lives because they're all over the city just to do some weights or run. But uh, I think that's a huge part of the day. And if you can get it out of the way in the morning, uh, then when the phone starts ringing, you're not going to be picking and choosing. Do I go to the gym or do I service a client? Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, you what get time, that. What time do you try to get all this stuff done by? If possible, I try to get everything done before uh, noon. So ideally by 11, I want to get all my morning stuff out of the way. So you don't take calls yet? No, I try to shut my phone off, man. <laughs> so people get mad I about that, by I the way. I applaud you. <laughs> because do you know, like, okay, so I work with a lot of real estate people as well oh yeah and here we go un- it's unthinkable it's, it's the cardinal sin you didn't answer your phone what's wrong yeah, with you you don't answer your phone until 11 <laughs> until noon yeah. like what I know. my clients would leave me my clients would drop me and but you know why so Cause, tell me cause how, there's... what's the experience yeah how did it go like implementing that okay. i just want to hit that because yeah. i think it's so the idea is i mean change is hard for everyone right so especially if if you've wired yourself to to uh conduct your business a certain way for a long time you've basically reinforced those pathways to do it that way forever so yeah, we're, we're creatures of habits part you're talking about yeah. As well. yeah so i mean if you've reinforced bad habits from day one you're inclined to continue doing that mm-hmm. as long as it keeps you comfortable and doesn't disrupt your current state but there's certain things you can do better. And if you identify them, 
and then you take the risk, you're making an investment in yourself when you do that. So I realized that, yes, uh, me not answering the phone, I could lose business in the short term. That's a very, very likely probability in the beginning. But if I do it and I provide enough value to all my clients and, and they understand that that's part of my routine, and what, it's what makes me that high-level productive guy during the day, then they will feel like, okay, I'm getting the best of Andrew. I'm not going to bother him in the morning. I'm not going to call out, and I'm not going to ruin his workflow because he's that good. I'm going to come back in the afternoon at 12, and then he's going to help me at that point. So it's a Tim Ferriss concept, right? I love right? that. Like if you call my voicemail right now and I played it for you because I didn't answer the phone, you'll have that exact voice prompt. It'll tell you you've reached blah, 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 blah. Uh, uh, don't leave a voicemail because I won't be responding yeah. for immediate attention. Uh, text me. Text, yeah. It's because I find if I answer every call during the day, my workflow will be disrupted and then I won't be giving my best because I'll be distracted for half mm -hmm. the day. So, so that's of, your way of not being in reactive mode. Exactly. Yeah. If, you, if you're reacting all day. Everything seems kind of urgent. Everything seems important. But they're not. Yeah, I mean, and it's not. I've done social experiments where I've cataloged every call and, and asked myself at the end, out of a, t a zero to 10, how important was this call? Like what uh, 10 is like crisis mode. I have to attend to it. And zero is, you know what? I'm just at home. I'm a stay-at-home husband, and you know I, I have nothing to do. So I'm going to reach out to Andrew and ask him how the market's going. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you know how it is. I mean, you got to prioritize. And if yeah. I took every call and I gave every call the same validity, and even if they didn't deserve mm -hmm. it, it would derail my day. And the people who deserve the attention would not be getting the the attention they deserve. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm always very judicious about that. And so I'm, you open it up by noontime? About noon, yeah. You start opening yourself up to conversations? Yeah, then it's phone, a free-for-all, man. Email. Then it's, you know... I, and then how do you attack the day? <laughs> like, what, what does... You know, what are some of those to-dos? What are some of those business activities in the afternoon that you get into? For sure. Okay, so for because, me... Because here's the thing, right? Like, you're not a traditional realtor. No. The way, I mean, when I... The more I've gotten to know you, um, you seem more like a tech guy. You mm -hmm. seem more like a tech company or like a like an entrepreneur as opposed to just a real estate practitioner. Like I'm right. going to show houses. Like you, you do business in a very unique way, and uh, you know, and it really speaks to how committed you are to like uniqueness and doing mm -hmm. something that's really rare that no one else is really doing. So maybe when you share like how the afternoon goes, you can elaborate on kind of like why I'm, why I'm saying that for the people who are listening. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, our approach is, uh, you know, okay. For one, I've instilled with the team, basically we're qualifying everyone. So we're, we're putting them to the test. Our first call with them is always a litmus test. We're trying to figure out the seriousness of an intent of the person, whether they're really going to be purchasing or selling a place. And we have certain ways of doing that and pulling it out of them. So, We've had some clever, um, you know, clever, I guess you could call it scripts, but not really. I mean, we've basically come up with some very good follow-up protocols. And we've been offered money for it by different companies. For your pro, for your program, For our follow-up protocols, yeah. yeah. They wanted to actually get behind camera and not only create manuscripts of the calls, but, you know, catalog videos of how they went. So they can study not only the hard language, 
but the intonation of your voice or how you draw in somebody or you know the way you ask the question to get elicit the response you're looking for so i mean one of the things is we've done a lot of programming with our our agents which is counter to what any real estate brokerage would tell you they just say it's a numbers game get on the phone make as many calls as you can knock on all those doors and that's not it that's a quantitative approach you know because you can be as busy as you want but being busy is the strictest form of laziness i mean that's just throwing your you're trading time for money and you got to be very selective of your time because we have a limited amount of time right and not only just in your lifetime, but during the day. So we've found a way to qualify everyone that comes through. And we're, you know, we're obsessed with that process. Our sales process is refined and we really went through it. And then we brought in an ISA, which is what we call, in, you know, it's an inside sales associate. And her, her sole job is the intake, that first call. So let's say, Oliver, you're out with the client. We don't want you to get distracted with an intake call from a stranger who we don't know if they're qualified. And we they're all know. coming online, right? Com- coming from online. Yeah, to give perspective, they're, they're strangers. We don't, I mean, obviously we get referrals, but I mean, a lot of the website stuff we do, these are strangers. We haven't qualified them. So I, I wouldn't want you, Oliver, to be distracted with these 10 new intakes that came through when you're trying to really service a client that mm. you've created an affinity with and, and this relationship and they they really trust your 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 um, knowledge of the area, and they want they want to be immersed in the experience. Mm-hmm. They want you on You're your in phone like the whole time. Delivery mode. That's right. Like, yeah, hundred percent. So that ISA's job, her sole purpose is is just to do the intake call. So we came up with a system. It took months to to get to that point, but through trial and error, and then improving it and ratcheting up the system. We got to where we are today, and then we basically programmed her on how to do that with an intense four-month onboarding. And then the idea was... And we say programmed her, you mean like train her, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, talking like a okay, stupid Terminator, tech nerd, Terminator. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I programmed her. <laughs> oh, Just man. like your car, you can open the door within five minutes when the renter comes. <laughs> it's just like a program. No. Oh, man. I realize She's, how how uh, inhumane I, I sound it. here, talking about humans getting programmed. Can you give? Can you give? Like, we're going to jump around here a little bit, but um, can you give some perspective on how what it was like to do that investment? Because it, right. it does, um, you know, a lot of people who listen to this are in the growth period. Mm-hmm. They're growing their business. They're growing their team. It's very. It's a fair. It's a scary thing to to hire somebody, to add a team member, to invest in them, to train them, and uh, you kind of have to take your eye off of revenue generating activities. Correct. To put time into someone like an ISA, yep. where it's like it might take four months before this person is up and running and That's producing. Right. You know, producing value, producing. Um, uh, like an impact in in the business, and then you're you're building this team. You're taking your eye off of the things that generate revenue, so things have to stop for a couple of months, or like at least slow down. I don't know if that's a fear or or that's an experience that you had to go through. And like, what what was that like? I mean, it's 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 terrifying, right? It's it's almost equivalent to you having a salary job and leaving it for a commission based job, right? You, you're basically 
you're making an investment in yourself and your potential for success, right? So you really got to come to terms with it that there's a potential you're not going to earn anything financially for that short short period or midterm period of time. But it's short-term pain for long-term gain. And if you understand it's a long-term horizon and you're in it for the long haul, you're not going to sacrifice that. So your, your, your main focus is on developing and system, systematizing and automating a lot of things so that your, your sales process is, is more convenient and it actually helps people rather than this transactional mindset where you're just scraping by one transaction at a time. There's no scale in that. You know, there's a, that's something that my industry is completely guilty of. You know, it's very transactional. And you know this, Oliver. People that are just focused on that one sale and devoting their entire time and energy into that one sale. And if it goes south, they become dis, disenfranchised or, like, completely break Demoralized. down. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you've created a sales process that is, you know, founded in, in the principle that I'm going to streamline everything, I'm going to automate as much as possible, and then I'm going to focus on my highest and best use, which is probably talking with the client or taking them out and showing them your expertise in whatever your field is, right? That's your highest and best use. So mm-hmm. it was terrifying when we started the uh, sale. Like, it, it's absolutely terrifying because you do have to put everything, all your sales on hold. Like I had to step out of sales for a long time to How really long? get the. I mean, informally, I would say about seven, eight months. Well, you weren't. You were not fully on. Not committed at to, all to yeah. sales, right? So I took a. I really stepped back from sales in that time, and and the idea was to basically groom and and update skill sets for everyone on the team, including myself, because I also say the biggest the biggest gains you're going to make are when you teach, you learn. Yes. So it, it creates awareness, right? So as you're telling people, this is the system that worked for me, it reinforces and hardwires the system in your mind so that you are actually more, you're paying more acute attention to that and you're following your own advice. Mm-hmm. You're, so, you're held to, you're held to a higher standard. You're mm-hmm. holding yourself accountable. And yeah, there is something about teaching that has lessons integrate even deeper yeah inside of it us. hardwires you, yeah right so it almost I mean, completes the circuit it completes that's right. the process like you could absorb and learn from someone or something but once you go t- and implement it then there's a whole other level of experiencing and knowing mm-hmm. it and then you go and teach somebody else to go and implement it and then now you've you've completed it you're like full 360 that's yeah that's the next level yeah. once you once you're so able to teach it to was, someone was yeah it reinforced a lot of well number one it i it helped me identify certain things that were going wrong or that i was doing personally wrong potentially and then it reinforces the things that you're doing right or you should be doing within your sales process right can you so, elaborate on on do you have an example of okay for one something i mean that was so you when you're dealing through? with you're dealing with strangers online, right? So we we do websites, and the idea is we we generate a certain amount of uh, interest in properties every day. So we get inquiries every day, whether we decide not to check into work or go on holidays, we're getting inquiries regardless. So that will never stop. It'll only be more and more as we go. And the idea is, you know, when when those inquiries come in. When those inquiries come in, we really 
uh, we really try to, sorry, I, I just had like a, a brain cramp. <laughs> no, dude, I got distracted we, we by need this. One, we need one of those, uh, those cognitive enhancers. <laughs> Stock up on Bacopa. The, what were you asking? Right I was asking about like, if you have an example of uh, like a challenge that you had that you ah. kind of noticed because you were, you were doing the teaching and you were doing the training of your team. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the example I was trying to give was, you know, we used to, because these are strangers and we never had any discussion with them. At this point, we're commoditized. We're disposable to that stranger. They don't care who Oliver is. They don't yeah. care about your expertise because they don't There's know no you have it. Yeah. They don't know how knowledgeable you are of, uh, you know, homes in Oakville or, you know, downtown condos. So at that point, they don't care to call you back. You'll leave a message. They'll just let it go. You'll text them. They won't respond. And I realized that we're giving up too easy, right? So we're letting letting that go away. So one of the things I, I came up with was, look. We need to be more resilient when, when this happens. We need to have seven touch points and call seven times right after that until we reach them at varying cycles of the day because everyone's schedule is different. You'll have a correctional officer who works the night shift and he sleeps right through the day. So you'll never reach him at 2 o'clock. So if you tried your first call at 2 and you didn't reach him, then the idea is you try again in the evening at 8 o'clock. Maybe that's when he's free and he's having breakfast. So the idea is... We, we created this accountability within our system so that we do seven touch points before, regardless, before we write it off. off. Yeah. And, you know, since we implemented that and we really held ourselves accountable to it, the production level went up, the, um, the morale goes up because now you see, okay, this actually works. You turned it around. And Yeah, exactly. And now, um, you know, anytime... Success begets success, right? So anytime you do something and it's successful, you feel good. You get a hit of dopamine and, you know, you feel mm. like I got to do that again. And it really encourages you to follow that, that new protocol or standard that you, you've implemented. So, I mean, that's one. We gave up too easy in the beginning. And I think that resilience is very important. But the only way you get to that level is by holding yourself accountable. And I'm insane. Anyone who knows me, I'm insane about, like, here, here's a book for you right here, Oliver. Uh, what does that say? The Four Disciplines of Execution. The main one in this is about accountability, if you go through it. The main discipline yeah. is accountability. And I'm telling you, once we created these accountability measures within, everything changed. Everything. Everyone felt accountable to do better. Mm-hmm. So we just we set a higher standard for ourselves, and then there was a level of attainment that came from that. We're not going to be like every other real estate team in Toronto. We're not going to be playing a numbers game or a quantitative approach. We're going to learn our sales system. We're going to be the best in our, in our geo-targeted market. And we're going to transfer that information and knowledge to our clients and be completely accessible from day one. So that's, that's to give you an idea of our core thoughts and, and strategy behind what we do as a team, you know? And we hold ourselves accountable like you don't even know. And, and how hard was it to get to this point where it seems like it's more streamlined? Because you mm-hmm. must have, 
I'm gonna bet that you had challenges with, challenges with people. Dude, I've been hospitalized. People have left. <laughs> what? Yeah, man, I didn't tell hospitalized. you. Hospitalized. Yeah, so there was there was times where we were working on websites. We were um, not only developing the websites, but project managing the developers and and also trying to streamline our sales process, onboard agents, hiring and firing, bringing in ISA. Like we were wearing all hats at that time, right? And our days, we were, we were running on like Elon Musk hours. Like it was 25 hours a day at that time. So, I mean, this was, we were doing this for about uh, three or four months straight, just burning the candle on both ends. And there came a point where I knew it was going to happen. Like, you know, right before you're going to the <laughs> hospital for IV lock and, and it, it hits you. It hits you so hard, man. So, I mean... What happened? Like, what was the leading up to? Like, <laughs> it was a, it was basically we're about to launch a new website, and you know we've been through a few different developers, and these guys just you know I, I have I have my <laughs> I have my gripes with them, right? So we're always the grinder. That's gears. the ebb and flow between us and developers. So anyway, we took a lot of their job off their plate and did it ourselves because we're somewhat tech savvy, right? So some of the content and, you know, page development we did on our own. But when you add that, like, I'm not a developer. I'm not, I don't know anything on the level of a a full stack developer, right? But I took it on myself because it was a WordPress site. And we just started doing that and stacking that on top of everything we're already doing in sales and trying to make a living. And you can feel it the moment it, it happened when I had this, like, nervous breakdown you just know you feel dehydrated, you're getting dizzy during the day, and you know you can feel moments where your eyes close on you and you're you're just you're you're trying to get through it, but you're actually like sleepwalking through it you know your eyes are shut, but you're still the thought process of what you're doing is happening you know and uh but your body's just not responding anymore. it's not man like your eyelids not even staying open <laughs> oh, how so, long ago was this so we we had it, it was like systematically it happened to a couple of us right it first happened to one of our main developers he ended up going away to the hospital for a couple days okay so then i was up next and then the third guy was at risk and we told him stop what what, like dehydration and uh just a complete exhaustion so they kept me there to rehydrate me and uh basically you know they 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 told me you got to stop this man you know, or, that is or, madness. You know, at your age, you should not be passing out like that and, you know, having that health experience already. So it's kind of like an eye-opener, Holy. you know. And uh, listen, I'm an all-in guy. Yeah. So if if I'm... So did that change anything? <laughs> a little bit. Not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> we're still... Listen, we're still full throttle all the time. Yeah. But... I know my triggers now. I'm not going to end up in there again. <laughs> well, yeah, what's gonna, what leads you there? What are the triggers that get you? It's taking on too much. To hospitalization. You know? Yeah, man. Uh, it's you know what you know how to you got to know how to slow down and delegate. So I mean, the the problem is if you're if you're a perfectionist or you're very hands on and you want to be a part of, mm. you know, at the ground level, you want to create something. If you're a creative type, then that's what gets you going. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that element of creativity within your day actually inspires you and gets you yeah. up in the morning, gets you excited. I love it. I love the creative component. I love everything around that. And for me, essentially, uh, 
I took on too many things because of that, you know, and, and I'm also perfectionist. Because you're so, hungry. Like yeah. you have a creative hunger. Yeah. You just, you want to express it in some way. So, uh, you know, and then I'm also distrusting with developers. So I took it on and that wasn't the right strategy. Right. So you got to, you basically got to find your lane, stay in it, find good help and then delegate where you can mm-hmm. instead of taking it all on yourself. Cause that's the quickest way to burn out, you mm-hmm. know? And I think, all serial entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general or startup guys have been through some sort of crisis like that at some point. Um, your health is not to be messed with, you know? And, and the idea is you got to identify what you're doing and be honest with yourself. How long did it take for you to recover from that? Oh, dude. Um, like, like, did you have to clean up for a couple of days, a couple of weeks? Like, what did that look like? It was, I mean, I was in the hospital for a bit, right? So like couple a days, a yeah. couple days. A couple days. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, rehydrating and getting relaxation. So I wasn't even an outpatient. And what were you thinking <laughs> while you were there for a couple of days? Like, were you assessing like, okay, this... Dude, it's, it's, you're in that state of mind. Like, how did this happen? How did I get here? Why am I here? I, I'm otherwise a healthy guy. Why am I in the hospital? And then you realize, you know, this is not the right path. You got to really slow down. Mm-hmm. You got to slow down. It's not all about that, right? So, I, I mean, that was, it's a hard decision you got to make. You got to find a way to delegate. And you really, that, that's, you start, you start thinking that when you're in the hospital bed and realizing this, this has gone too far. I got to step back, man. I got to, I got to trust people more. I got to be yeah. less perfect about certain things. And so it took, yeah, it took that extreme circumstance for you to like, you know what? I got to let go a little bit. Absolutely. I got to trust other people. I mean, it's sad. It, it got to that, right? But, yeah. but uh, at the same time, it's a blessing. Cause I mean, if let's say you got to that capacity just before the hospitalization, right? So that never happened. But you continue down that path and you keep doing it. Because you it. didn't get to that bottom point. That, That's that right. Bottom, yeah. Then it becomes a cumulative effect. Yeah. It gets worse and worse yeah, as time perpetual. goes by. And then you keep hardwiring that, that ethic every day within your work schedule. So it'll never end until it ends up in the hospital. Do you feel like some people um, operate in that way and they feel like they're only winning because of the fact that they grind themselves to the bone? Like, like they, it's like they're grinding themselves to the bone, they're working nonstop, and they are creating success, and they miscalculate and think that that's the reason for their success. I think there's, the, there's a culture behind hustle right now, and that's trending. It's yeah, I want to know trend. what your thoughts on that. So I think, you know, in social media, we're getting all these false flags and signals that you got to out-hustle the next guy. I'll, I'll sleep less so I can achieve more in the same amount of time or less. Mm-hmm. And this is really being uh, romanticized by social media and and it, who I call clowns. There's a lot of these guys out there. Listen, Oliver, you 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 do real work, okay? There's guys out there on these social media accounts. They just got some social media monkey putting out these weird memes and messages. Yo, out hustle this guy and outwork that and hustle hustle. But the reality is, you need to step back. It's not like that, you know. I'm not going to get up at 4 a.m. to hustle and, and do all those things. I'm, I'm actually steadfast against that because what it does, it deprives me of my sleep time. And then your body regenerates when you sleep, right? 
you're, 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 the fluids clean your brain out at night when you're sleeping in deep REM. And I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be crippled by how tired I am because I got up at 4 a.m. to hustle, mm-hmm. to drive myself into the hospital one day. I think we need to get away from that culture of hustle and start understanding more balance and you know, uh, regenerating your body and, and your mind and really creating this um, full spectrum where, yes, there's an element of hustle, but you've got to dial back sometimes mm-hmm. and take care of yourself too. Because a lot of people are going to end up in the hospital with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who gets to that extreme. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Like, and, and, and people who are burning themselves out, that's part of the conversation that I find myself in constantly. Um, yeah. I know people who have like thought about going to the ER or have gone to the ER, and, but like not like stayed and got fluids put in them. <laughs> You know, and for for a couple of days, like that's a that's an intense case. It really is, and um, you know, it's not a proud moment at all, right? I'm actually pretty embarrassed. That's by scary. It. It's, because it's I embarrassing. Mean, I've had panic attacks. I've had anxiety attacks. Like not like I'm. It's very rare for me, but I mm-hmm. have had those moments. And uh, there's the fear of death. Yeah. There's man. like, am I dying right now? Like, what is happening? And then all it was is that you just overworked yourself. Yeah. Like you're going against what your body is, is, is needing. That's like, right. There's a reason why there's a nighttime. Yeah. Right. There's a reason why human beings need to sleep. Regeneration. Like you That's need to rejuvenate. That's right. So, I mean, um, that culture has to go, you know, I mean, there's, there's a place and a time for that, but you also got to understand the flip side where you're, you're actually, I'd rather be more productive in two hours than eight hours just floating around like a zombie. Mm-hmm. So, that's where optimization comes in. And I like to optimize my time. And I'm constantly hacking ways where I can cut things out of my life. I think decluttering all the noise and nonsense that we absorb throughout the day is very important. So like little things, you know. I mean, in December, I went on a social media cleanse for a month where I didn't touch any of that nonsense for a month. And I felt liberated. Yeah, You know, it's like, like you know... A drug addict, let's say that, you know, all of a sudden cuts cold and now they got the shakes. For the first 10 days, you you feel weird. You want to always, you're obsessing. Like, I want to go back on. Yeah, because I didn't trust myself in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I'd always go back in if it was there visually, right? But then, yeah, I deleted them and, you know, it becomes easier as you go. It's like anything, right? You're reinforcing and creating that pathway that allows you to get, eliminate things. So I've, taken on in the last year i'd say a more minimalist mindset where i'm Mm -hmm. taking things i'm on this cleanse where i'm taking things out of my life Mm -hmm. whether it's material things that are distracting me or it's you know certain conveniences that i don't necessarily need what's been some of the most significant and recent uh things you've eliminated so i mean okay one of the things would be Number one, I don't have cable, okay? That's, that's, for me, it's mandatory. I just think it's a distraction, to be honest. Um, I'd rather absorb myself into, I mean, I'd rather absorb audiobooks or read something or, you know, just be outdoors. For yeah. me, that's more important because I feel like there's a lot of distraction in, in cable and news and all that nonsense. So that's an elimination. In terms of clothing, I'm very basic. I have, you know four of the same colored pants, black pants, and then like 10 of the same white shirts. And that's it. 
I don't need clothing ever again. <laughs> That's like, you know, I feel like I'm the only one who's insane like that. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I literally occupy so little space in the closet, like, and in, in, and in the drawers at home. And, like, literally, it all fits, you know, in this tiny little space. I'm just like, wow, it took me a long time to get to the point where, you know, like, this sweater I'm wearing, I have another color of this. Like, nice. I have this in two colors. That's, and that's it. I'm like you. I'll be like, you know what? I like this, and I'll get this in multiple colors, or I'll get multiples of this. Yeah. And I'll just have just a few things. That's right. And I don't necessarily have to think. Like, that's where I'm at right now. I might change in a couple of years, but it where might. I'm at right now is like, I, I, I don't need to decide. Like, I'm not a fashionista. Yeah, at yeah. This point, you know, <laughs> that doesn't drive you, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm. So that's one of your things. Yeah, anything materials. I just don't care, man. I'd rather, I'd rather go on vacation. Yeah. Um, I'm more about the experiences than owning stuff. If and anything I do, anything I own, like for instance, the the whole Tesla thing, that's for cash flow, so I can experience things, right? So it's not about owning a car. It's about what does that car represent? It represents a cash flow, which might allow me to go on a vacation to somewhere off the beaten track that I've always wanted to explore, you know? And that's, to me, more important than things. So I'm very mm -hmm. focused on that. In terms of things I've removed out of my life, I've removed people, you know? I feel like that's the biggest cleanse you can do and the biggest service you could do to yourself is get certain people out of your life. So what qualified that for you? Like, how did you decide, in the, uh, you know, what were the parameters by which you decided this, these are the types of people that need to go and who needs to go? Mm -hmm. And uh, how did you proceed with that, like, in, in mm -hmm. actually letting them go? So, I mean, again, it's a hierarchy. First, I'm, I'm governed by principle. So if I feel like someone was dishonest or, you know, they let me down in a certain way, and it was a very dishonest thing for them to do, mm -hmm. um, you know, then that's someone I didn't necessarily call back. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I find, you know, I've, had, I've dissolved partnerships in the last year. I had a really big partnership with four other guys, and I'm only buddies with one of them right now. Wow. And I think that's someone, something people will face in business too, partnerships and, and the difficulty of it's that. It's so challenging. It's hard. You've been through it too. Yeah. I know you've had a partner in the past and, you know, there's always going to be challenges that present themselves. How you deal with it and the character behind the guys within the partnership will dictate how well that partnership does. And sometimes you got you to gotta understand that this partnership is not going anywhere and you need to dissolve it and you need to, you know, recreate yourself. Like, wow. I, I know that's, that's what your whole paradigm is about reinventing yourself, right? Yeah. The reinvention road, roadmap. And I believe you do have to do that from time to time. So for me, what qualified was on the highest level, how honest they are. And, you know, are they govern, governed by the same principles as me? Yeah. And if not, I don't need that shit in my life. I really don't. And uh, That's you, a hard stance to take. It is. Like, it's, it's, it's very militant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? And it's, um, it's admirable to me because one of the most challenging things for us to acknowledge is that it is the very people that we spend our time with and uh, you know, fill our calendars with right. that drag us down. And it's not like... Or lift you, you up. Or lift... A, yeah, exactly. I mean, both. So you got you to really like, understand it. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean that... No, but it just means 
are they contributing to where right. I want to go? Like, are they adding uh, velocity to where it is that I want to go? Because right. if they're not, and you're keeping them around, there's an, there's an incredible price to pay. I mean, it becomes a burden, right? It becomes a burden, and you know, I, I'm a, also I'm a huge advocate of you know your top five, the five people you keep around you for sure. That matters. That actually mm-hmm. matters. And uh, so, on the highest level, it's honesty and the integrity of the person. And like, are they governed by the same principles as me? Then it's, you know, are they, are they going down the same track as me? You know, is this train going to crash or are they coming with me to wherever I want to go? So, I mean, you know, I'll cut out potheads in my life that, you know, I just don't see the ambition carrying them where they want to be. And if I want to be around successful people, I'll focus on that. Or maybe I want to be around fun people, you know, that just have a good time and they're very lighthearted and they don't take things seriously. Yeah. So if someone's too serious all the time and it doesn't really uh, attribute any value into my life, then I guess I move on. Like, I know I sound heartless right now and I'm just cutting people off. It's not like that. But the the reality is there's certain people that will inhibit your growth and your happiness. And you Mm -hmm. do need to cut them off because the longer you're in denial, the more life force they're taking away from you. And that's, you got to be greedy in that sense. This is your life. So don't let anyone take away your life force from you. What, like, what was the most challenging relationship to let go of? I'd say the partnership, to be honest, because, uh, you got to understand when I went into it, like I I look at from the beginning to the bloody end, what happened and where was my mind state in the beginning when I created the partnership and where was it at the end when I dissolved it and it's a complete different space. You know, it was very playful and innocent in the beginning. It wasn't, it didn't circulate around income or it didn't circulate around, you know, uh, this ego that was circulating within our partnership or, you know, it, it was a very lighthearted partnership in the beginning. And, you know, as things progressed and you become a little more successful and you're, you're doubling down on, on your, your system and what you're creating uh, things change sometimes and you just have to be very honest with yourself. Was it like people's character started to show a lot of it? More? Yeah. I mean, I, like without getting into too much detail about it, it was, it was definitely a character issue with one of the guys, a couple of the guys. And, um, it was also work ethic. Our work ethics weren't aligned, you know? And if you have it, if it's disproportionately you doing a lot of the work, or someone else doing a lot of the work and the other person's not doing any work, but you're all trying to give equal parts, then you're going to eventually build up animosity and you're going to, you're going to be resentful of that Mm -hmm. person. Right? So we had some issues with that and, you know, work ethic, ego, and a lot of things come into play when you get some high powered type D personalities partnered with you. How long did it take? Like how long were you sitting with all of this? Like, like knowing oh, that there's, there's like this growing sense of this is not working. I sat with that feeling for a long time because I'm not the type that will give up on it right away. Like, I don't yeah, care. Committed. I'm not, I'm not worried about the hardships or like everything you got to go through to become successful or, or get to the level that you're trying to attain. But I lived with it for months. I mean, I can go back probably five, six months of me, you know, basically pleading with everyone, we got to do this, or why don't we think about this? 
just kind of giving very soft ways, like soft approaches to how we could be doing everything as partners and still coexisting. But I mean, it fell on deaf ears and you keep trying, but it, it just got out of hand. I didn't want to continue down that path. So at some point, it's a sunken cost fallacy. Mm-hmm. I could con- yes. continue contributing my energy, time, and finances toward a project that could never materialize in its current form. Or I can be very uh, honest with myself and, and let, let that all go and reinvent myself and start from scratch again. And I'm not going to let the idea that I invested this much money into something or I put this much time into it be what drives me to continue with that. I'm not going to be prey to the sunken fast, uh, sunken cost fallacy. Yeah. So that's, I, that's a big, that's a, a big challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face. It's gambling, avoiding the pivot, right? Avoiding the reinvention. Um, and like not knowing when that, when that is, it's like, well, you know, I've already put all this time, so I got to <laughs> see it through. It's like, I got, I got to finish. I got to <laughs> go to the finish line. I'm like, you Man. know what? Who says you have to finish? No. You like don't. May, maybe you just like maybe you just let it go and you start something else. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's um, that's that's an important lesson. But like, was there a grief process? Like, did you feel like there was a loss? Like hostile as hell in the beginning. Oh, I hostile. Mean, yeah, it was very hostile. Even the end of it, the dissolving of the partnership ended up very hostile in the beginning. And then you know, there was some reconciliation not too long after. So it was kind of like. It was kind of uh, up and down emotions, right? Yeah. So that happened for a bit, and then, and then more things came up, you know, that I didn't, I wasn't aware of at the time, and then I, you know, I, be, I became hostile again, and then there came a point where you just let it go. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be. It's not going to dictate where you're going, and you have to let it go, because if you let it impact you on a daily basis, you're never gonna, you're never gonna go anywhere with it. And so how long was it that you feel like wounded from it? It was a good like three weeks, I would say. Yeah, three weeks. weeks, But, you know, if you're self-aware and you you understand it's not serving you and Mm. this is just a waste of your energy, then at some point you really got to take a hard stance and not let that affect you anymore. Mm -hmm. So then I just, I decided... you yourself back up after? 100%. I decided to shift my focus, you know, 180 degrees in the opposite direction and focus on me and, and my team as opposed to a partnership that didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So it's about self-awareness. It's understanding yourself and what works for you, being attuned with your innate. Because listen, at this age, I'm 38. I don't know. I can't remember how old you 33. are. 33. At this age, once you hit your 30s, you've had enough life experience to really have an instinct developed. And that instinct will holler at you when something is wrong or, or like innately isn't in line with where it should be. And you have to honor that. You have to honor it. You owe it to yourself to really honor that instinct and then act on it. Don't just push it aside and then continue down a certain path if it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not serving you the way it should be. So I've developed this, this um, fine-tuned instinct where I really pay attention to it and I act on it because I think acting on it is the important part. Yeah. So I mean, there's a grieving process. I always process, say but... awareness is bankrupt without action. That's right, hundred percent. You got you got to implement. You got to act on it. So yeah, I mean, this is kind of a, a thing. I'm sure all your entrepreneurs go through it. A lot of people that are listening to your podcast right now, 
might actually be going through it today. And that's okay. But you got to be honest with yourself about where you're at. And you need to have checks and balances along the way to really to really see if you're going down the right path. Mm-hmm. My, my check and balance in that moment when I decided to dissolve the bar- partnership is I went to two uh, founders that one exited. Uh, he had a really nice startup that exited. And the other one is a serial entrepreneur that owns 30, 40 chain restaurants and that sort of thing. So I wanted to basically give them the blueprint, what I was using with the partners mm-hmm. and then get perspective on it. And then they gave me their honest feedback. And then I was just aware with it. They clarified it for you. Yeah. Wow. They basically, they echoed my sentiment on where it was heading. Yeah. So and you then, kind of, you, you made it more objective. Hundred, like, you have to, you have yeah. to. You're like, this is how it feels, but then let me get an outside opinion and just look at the facts. Yeah. And am I going now crazy? Just or? Ba- yeah, now just based <laughs> on the facts. Okay. Like I can line, line up my emotions with the facts. Yeah. And I'm going to decide now. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you're acting on emotion and mm. you're going to make the wrong decision yeah. every time. So I'm lucky I'm a little more logical and able to to really be honest with myself if something's working or not. And yeah. luckily I'm going down the right path now. So you're very much like, you know, we started off talking about being in the right environment. Every Almost everything that you have done, like decisions that you've shared with us so far, a lot of them have to do with the environment. Yes. Like the people that you're around is part of your environment. Like where you live is part of your environment. How you start off your day mm-hmm. and why you don't answer your phone <laughs> during certain times of the day. Like you're like all of that has to do with like atmosphere mm-hmm. and environment and making sure that it cultivates the the creativity, the productivity, the effectiveness. Yeah, environment is a central theme, I would say. Yeah. And it's definitely playing a big role within my day. And I think if you can get that right and your mindset right, everything else will follow. Like if you have a certain skill set and you're in the right thing, you, you'll you'll hone your craft fairly quick if you're in the right environment. Mm-hmm. Then it's just about repetition. So, But you can be the best at what you do and have the greatest skill set in whatever it is. But if you're in the wrong environment, it'll never come to fruition. So it's very important to have that aligned with... So when were you in the wrong environment? Oh. <laughs> so, because, I mean, for, for this to be such a value... I, in my experience, it's because we experienced the exact opposite at one point. And right. It's like, oh, wow, this hurts too much. That's why it's a value. <laughs> right. I mean, there's just like not one specific experience that I would say is that environment, but I've had a couple. And I'd say one of them would be uh, when I lived down by Jane and Truthaway, which is like a, a mini ghetto, right? I mean, it was a really tough building. And you know, I was around a lot of really tough people. That environment was horrible. You know, all my buddies back then, um, they, they, well, a lot of them died. A lot of them went to jail, right? And I'm lucky. Died, like, like, like gang stuff. Violent gang stuff, stuff yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there was a lot of that. I mean, there was a cop that got shot in my building, right? So, Jeez. you could look it up. Todd Bayless. Yeah. He's, uh, so I'm saying... And he's a friend. And he was a friend. No, no. He wasn't a friend. Oh, he was someone who died in your building. In my building. He's a cop that got shot. Sorry. He's a cop that got shot. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of... In that that environment was going to be like a one-way ticket to just a miserable life, right? I'm lucky my parents made a change. And they said, okay, we're going to Mississauga. How old old were you? 14 when we moved, right? So, it was about to be... Like, those are some serious years, though. Yeah. (laughs) 14 years in there? 
Yeah. I mean, listen, man, they had, um, we, we used to get our, our apartment uh, sprayed for cockroaches every month. Like, that's not the environment you want your kid growing up in, right? So, <laughs> that, I mean, we had a sun deck. Um, sorry, even like, forget that. My neighbor was a pimp, and he would always have, you know, these girls coming through. You knew? Well, I'd always ask my mom. I was like, back, because this is when I was really young, right? I always ask my mom, what's going on over there? And, you know, she kind of told me, oh, just don't talk to them. (laughs) And then it was like later that she said. She later told me, you know, that that was a pimp. And uh, and you can look it up. The same guy kidnapped the uh, superintendent, brought him to the roof of the building, started carving his forehead in, and then reciting the Bible. And then jumped off the building to his smash potato head death. <laughs> and my buddies watched it happen. They were playing soccer when it happened. So And this is while you were living there. Yeah. This yeah. happened while you were living there. Yeah. So, so I mean were you that's tra- environment, like, were, you tra- right? were you traumatized in that environment? No, dude, like, I was like very innocent. You know what I mean? In it, not, like, not innocent, like it didn't not, affect me. I was unaffected by it. Yeah. So there wasn't real trauma, but the problem like visually, with it, you didn't see like these things. I mean, I saw it, but I don't think it really affected me just because yeah. I'm from, you know, my, my mother took care of me. She's always given me, you know, a good guiding. She was a compass for my ethic and, yeah. you know, gave me a good environment. So I never got affected by it the way some of my buddies who ended mm-hmm. up in gangs and shit did. Mm-hmm. But so you, you didn't have that opportunity to like to join in. Uh, it's always there, right? Yeah. It's always there. Like you didn't get sucked into it the same way it sounds no. like. No, I, and that's that's just it, right? If you're in that environment, the pressure to be a part of that environment is much greater, right? And it's almost like you're weak for not being a part of that. And that can pull you down. So I'm lucky my parents identified it early. They saw people going to jail, my friends, like juveniles, right? And they just decided to uproot and go to Mississauga. And that's a classic example of pain in the environment. But I was just too oblivious to even know at the time. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, other other scenarios were in my old brokerage. I mean, it was kind of like, I called it the graveyard for uh, real estate careers, right? Because dinosaurs were roaming in there, right? And (laughs) you see fossils everywhere. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't the right environment. It wouldn't cultivate free thinking and creativity the way the way we were doing it now like if i stayed in that environment you wouldn't be tech savvy or you wouldn't have experimented with different type of web products right Mm. so getting out of that environment at the time everyone told me you're crazy why would you go from a brand to this independent startup brokerage like no one's going to list their place with you when they realize that you're with this no-name brokerage and my mission from that day became to prove everyone wrong so within two years, what happened was everyone saw the success and people started following and coming over to the brokerage. Wow. So without me recruiting, probably like 15, 20 guys came over, producers, and they re- reinvented their careers in our office. And whereas I watched the steady decline of people that stuck around and were scared and averse to change. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was a real definitive example of environment and wow. how you can basically alter your environment as long as you have, you have the presence of mind to do it. And a lot of people are scared of that, right? And the, the temporary discomfort of changing yeah. that environment. What, do you, what would you have to say to people who are um, 
like in in the real estate business because and, and i hate to like talk so much about <laughs> that but like i just find that there's so many people who who listen are mm-hmm. but i think it also applies to any entrepreneur who's in a high stress environment so if you imagine like if you're a realtor you're putting yourself in an environment where you're really like it's it's really intense like your your income swings up and down there's mm-hmm. gaps in the year where you have you're like losing your shit you mm-hmm. feel like you're doing everything wrong and um you know there's like there's a lot of conversation around mental health mm-hmm. right now and i think it really exposes us to the fact that you know what like if i'm susceptible to anxiety to stress to worry to doubt to you know and, and being like off, you know just feeling a little bit off and then my career <laughs> just triggers that and like and stimulates me so much that it puts me off off balance um like what 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 are your thoughts what are your insights to people who kind of they're they're in the, that career and they're in that type of environment like mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach that conversation i mean it's a whirlwind right so there's a constant level of distraction within that environment and basically there's there's things during the day that are just nipping away at your attention and you have to find a way to block out these distractions and really identify where you want to be and i think the whirlwind we get caught up in it all the time you know we get drawn into all these mindless things that don't generate income for you and you know just distract you and take your time away from you and you really got to focus on what can i do right now to be profitable but also enjoy myself mm-hmm. and then whatever that is i mean you really got to take inventory of it whatever that is double down on it for a little while really become good at one thing so develop a certain expertise and it could be an area that you focus on or it could be you know a segment within your industry that you become really good at a niche and double down on it for a little while and then slowly add to that right so don't try to completely overhaul whatever you're doing because that's a recipe for disaster you know that's Mm -hmm. a scary thing to completely overhaul but if you do one thing really well, at least you know you have that anchoring, whatever your business mm-hmm. is or your your uh, company or whatever it may be, and then just add to it layers little by little, and then eventually you'll you'll identify which ones are working and which aren't, and then it'll be it's just like biohacking. You can take out one variable at a time and replace it with something else. What do you think that? What do you think has people um, putting their attention and investing their time and energy? in so many other areas and not to the thing that actually is producing hmm. like the income. Cause I, I, I seem to, I noticed this, like my job, I'm like a professional noticer, mm-hmm. you know, and I see it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I'm on a session with somebody. I'm like, Oh, so uh, tell me about that project. Yeah. You're working on that. You're spending a lot of time. Okay. Like what kind of results is it creating? Okay. Right. Like you're really stressed that it's not producing what you, what you want it to. Mm. And you've been spending months on it. Okay. Tell me about, where the majority of your <laughs> revenue has come from. Oh, that thing. And how much time have you been investing in growing that thing? Right. And that seems like, oh, no, I've been like working on all this new exciting stuff. Oh, like, oh. what do you, so what That do just you th- ruins me when I hear stuff like yeah, that, Yeah, what do you man? think it is that drives us, that compels us to distract and, I don't know, like, I have my own theories, but I want to get mm-hmm. your, your perspective on it because... Like you do get specialized, you do get known for something and then you get that anchor mm-hmm. and then you do like, and it can like provide some value, provide mm-hmm. some, some revenue, but then there's all these sexy 
shiny objects that we kind of get distracted by. I'm guilty of it too. Like I have so many, <laughs> I, have a, I have a grave, speak of graveyards, I have a graveyard full of <laughs> projects that like are just <laughs> dead, right? Like I just left them behind because eventually I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, why am I yeah. spending That's time healthy on though. This? That's healthy to yeah. trim the fat every now and then. Um, I, I'm, you know, ultimately, I look at everything with two questions. I ask myself when I'm in the middle of something that's consuming my time. Number one, Am, is, am, am I enjoying this? Like, is this actually making me happy or, you know, giving me some quality of life? That's number one. I think I'm start, I'm leading with that when, when that used to be an afterthought back in the day before we met or before we really got to know each other, Oliver, I, I was always, that was an afterthought. It wasn't, you know, at the forefront of my decision making. So I, I like to lead with that now. And then the other thing is, is this exact activity right now making me a living like am i going to be able to sustain because of this exact activity and if not then what could i be doing that would actually be helping me making uh, help me make a living right now because i find in the whirlwind too many distractions will come up and try to derail your day and there th these are 99 percent of the time things you don't enjoy doing and that also are not profitable to give you a living so in real estate especially this is like the culprit of a lot of people going insane, right? They just let that whirlwind take over and those calls come in to distract them from what they're doing. I always stop myself in the middle of the call and say, is this call, like, is this a high level priority for me? Because it's going to give me happiness or actually help me sustain. And if not, where do I rank it in my list of priorities to do today? Luckily, if you do that to-do list the night before and you lead into your day with it, you're already mentally aware of what I need to tackle today and what is going to potentially distract me. So that's, that's kind of my thinking or my thought process behind how I handle these, these perpetual distractions throughout the day because they're going to creep up every day of your life no matter you're what. You're also – and, you know – to bring up social media, we're always watching what other people are doing. And we're like, oh, well, so-and-so is doing it this way. Maybe I should try that. <laughs> oh, wait, what about that? This person is doing really great with this idea. Like, let's try that. But, like, I like the simplicity of your questioning because right. it's, it's all about, you know, okay, does this bring me joy? First question. And does this produce revenue for me? Yeah. Does this produce profit? Like, does it add value? And it, and it sounds like you also have a rank and priority when it comes to that as well. Yeah. Like, okay, these set of activities create income can lead to, mm -hmm. to creating income but like which one of those rises up to the top exactly like what's the natural hierarchy i find that um a lot of people have they they're weak in the muscle of distinguishing those priorities mm -hmm. like fine because there's everything seems important yeah you gotta yeah. know how to say no and that's... how do you how how would you teach somebody like if you're teaching your team mm -hmm. um you're teaching us like how to distinguish those things for ourselves. Like how would you? I would do batch and process of elimination. So I would batch things uh, as they come up. I'd ask, what do you routinely face in a day? Like what is your routine in terms of what events will occur that you will get every day of your life? And then I batch them. So I'll create like a level one priority, a level two priority, a level three priority. And then I would also within that, I would try to prioritize certain things that are, you know, going to generate more income or create happiness. And we do this even with potential clients, you know, these leads, we call them, we have hot, warm and cold. 
And it's about batching. It's about identifying. Like once you put that label on it, it's a trigger for your mind that allows your mind to understand that this is a cold lead or a cold prospect. I should not be devoting the same time in parts to this person as a hot lead who has intent, who has expressed a genuine um, ability to listen to whatever your direction or knowledge is Mm -hmm. in in that space you're in. And really wants to transact with you. They actually want to have that relationship with you. So we don't give the same attention to everyone. And I think batching and then prioritizing throughout your day, but also being aware of it is key. So the night before, a a nice habit, and I do this the night before and the week before where I'll create priorities and to-do lists. And then that way you have basically a mental trigger. You could look at it, you could visualize and say, oh, that is actually a priority. I need to have this conversation. And, and this will take precedence over every call I get today. Mm-hmm. If I get one thing done so you, today. So you batch all that stuff together. Yeah. Like so, the, the higher, and then what were you going to say? If I get one thing done. If there's only one thing I get done today, that would be the thing. That's the thing. And try like to, if all everything else went to shit. Exactly. You ha- and that's the only thing you can do. That's what you do. That's the thing you focus on. Because then even if it might not be the most productive day by your standard, you might not have knocked out your 10 things on the to-do list, you still achieve the most important thing. And it's Pareto's law, the 80-20 rule. If you focus on that, that one thing that will get you 80% of the return you want on your invested time, then you've achieved way more than if you distracted with the other 80% of activities. So that honestly, this is so refreshing (laughs) because I don't think anyone could look at what it is that you're accomplishing and think that you have such a, uh, like clean and elegant and simple way of of approaching it. Right. Like that for me, it's elegant Mm -hmm. because it's like, you can operate a team and this and this growing business with multiple moving parts, but you have such clear, 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 uh, like what what is it called? Like decision matrixes or like that's it, right? It's, it's like, about decision matrix, right? Yeah, and uh, there's a way of thinking behind. That's right. It. So it's like you have core concepts and you follow them. That's part of your day. You know, mm-hmm. you don't let anything detract from that. You, you have your principles and you stick to them regardless. Because you'll be tested all day. All day people them, will test you. To betray you. them. Yeah. You have to, that's the thing. You have to be accountable to... If you have to be accountable to anyone, it's yourself. And if you don't have those quality control standards or you don't have that decision matrix, you're just not going to be... You're not going to produce at the level you want. Have you uh, betrayed those <laughs> values? And if you betrayed them like, to the point where you're just like, oh, wow, yeah, it, 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 it's too painful to betray right. them like and now i'm gonna just make sure i keep consistent i keep the integrity of it like do you have any is that true for you when i say that and do you have an example yeah it happens and it still happens all the time <laughs> it <laughs> so never you're stops not perfect? It, no yeah oh yeah <laughs> the least perfect man um you know i'm going through this battle in my mind all the time right where it's accountability accountability but then i betray it all the time and it's, it's nature, right? I mean, there's only so much you can do. But you do your best to stay on that path if you can. I mean, for me, I've had accountability issues or I've betrayed this, my core principles you know, throughout my business at several different points. Like last year, 
I had this idea that I was going to do one part management of the team, one part of uh, management, uh, like the partnership and growing the next project we're going to do, and one part my actual in the business sales and, and you know my you my way of sustenance, right? When we were having lunch, that yeah, yeah, I think you were telling me about that this decision, yeah. It, and it's it's you know that that's a time when I got I got completely derailed. I started focusing. Here's the thing: I started focusing on the things that would not sustain me. It wouldn't give me income or, or living. You know, they were concepts that I was trying to resurrect and create. I create things, but they weren't actually going to a derive happiness for me, but also b they weren't going to compensate me for my time. So I devoted way too much time in those things and it detracted from my sales. Right. So at some point you realize, wow, I really got distracted there, man. How did, how did I get to this point? Right. Yeah. When does it kick (laughs) in for you? Do you do like a regular review and you're just like, okay, how's it, how's it going? Yeah. Like, where am I at? Or does it just like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, where the fuck have I been? Yeah. Last year was chaos, right? I mean, I kind of got derailed at some point and you know, there was nothing, nothing there that really triggered me until it got, it got rough in terms of like, uh, you know, partnerships or whatever. Yes. But also you look at your sales, you know, you look at your, your production report and you go, Oh wow, I really let things slide this year. The numbers. (laughs) And if you're binary like me and you just look at numbers and you're not, you know, you're not trying to create stories in your own head but you let the numbers talk. Yeah, let then, it tell the story. Then that's that's all you need, really. And then you you know you got to recalibrate what then you're it doing. In. So that's when it kicked <laughs> in. I looked at my production report, and listen, man, you can look at it right now. I have my CN Tower on the wall, <laughs> yeah, and it, it. it has actual numbers and sales goals I want to hit. And those lights will continue to climb up that that sales spectrum until I hit the numbers I'm trying to get. And if I'm not where I want to be at the end of the quarter, I know something went wrong. So that's one of the, the visual triggers I've created. And then yeah, you made the, you made this whole wall. about that. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. I, this I, wall I, is, I'm uh, all about visuals. Like I'm all about have it there in front of you. So you don't have to think about it. That's right. And you don't have to dig through your computer or your notebook for it. It's like, it's telling you, it's screaming at you. Yeah. Give me your attention. That's right. Right. And it keeps you on track. Right. So now, now I have accountability on my wall and I visualize it as I'm on the phone and I realize, Oh, this call is really taking away my time. I better, I better make an excuse right now and get off the phone quick. And it's not cause I don't want to do that call, yeah. but I mean, I can't consume myself with every call that comes through or every purportedly emer- emer- emergency or urgent call that mm-hmm. comes through. So I use these visual cues and that's what's keeping me on track this year. Wow. And so so we're not going to ever get derailed again like that, man. <laughs> so you're, you are a very observant person. It's self-aware. Like you're very, like you're very self-aware. Um, I think there's a couple of questions around that. Um, I think the first thing would be what, what, if anything, like recently has, has something become more visible to you about, about yourself or even just mm-hmm. about like what you see around you? Like maybe before it was kind of invisible, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden it shows up and it's visible and you're like, Oh wow. Like, <laughs> like, look at that. <laughs> I got to do something about that or I got to change something. Like so what, something what? to change or something that uh, I, I realize is working and Oh, okay. Do more of that. <laughs> yeah. Either, either or like, what have you become aware of? recently that's like had a profound impact or a profound shift 
I mean, health, right? So I'm, I'm always paying, paying attention to my health. I'm very aware of, you know, what's going on with my health. And, you know, I realized that I, you know, I put on a little bit of weight in the recent past. So I just doubled down on my regimen and my, my routine, mm-hmm. my training routine. And then the accountability measure was I will actually post stories of me in the gym doing whatever. Not like a vain narcissistic shot in the mirror of me flexing and trying to like crack the mirror with my bicep. But, but like that I'm in the gym and then I, I put a playful spin on it to keep my buddies accountable. I'll yeah, tag, I see you tag them all. Yeah. I'll tag them in. Like, what are you guys doing tonight? How's the burrito life? And just <laughs> like, you know, harassing them and that I enjoy that. So what it does, it has the, the byproduct of me keeping accountable to myself, but also the, the people balls. I care about, they get accountable and I get to be, I get to be a bit of a douchebag with them <laughs> online, which is fun. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll rip on them. And it's, it's my little fun too. Yeah. It's my little dig for the day. That's amazing. Man. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's, that's something like the scale doesn't lie. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then you basically, you gotta, you gotta then again, recalibrate and figure out what are you going to do about it now? Yeah. Are you going to just, are you just going to keep doing that? Or are you going to actually change your routine mm-hmm. and get more involved? So that's, that's one scenario. Um, the other part, like with sales, I just decided, okay, I'm going all in this year with sales. And one of my accountability things is I check in every day in the morning with who, who my callbacks are, who do I got to follow up with? And I'm religious about that right now. Whereas last year I like, I remember, remember finishing lunch with you one time and you're like, it's like, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing the rest of the day? He's like, oh, I got about like 30 calls to make in the next two hours. And I'm like, who the hell are you? (laughs) It's fun, man. It's fun getting on the phone sometimes. Yeah. So it's, but it just goes to show like how you, how you put the time, you put the effort in, in a constrained amount of time. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so it. That's the key. So you could actually accelerate uh, the, the momentum. Like you could, yep. you could actually speed things up as opposed to oh, I'll do these 30 calls over a week. It's like, no. no, I can call 30 people in two hours. That's just it, right? I mean, here's the thing. Like to get in that, that frame of mind, you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You can't just like you're not going to bang out 30 calls and be really productive in that time unless you're ready for it. You have to be primed. That's right. So there's certain rituals that yeah, get you to Andrew that. Yeah, how does Andrew prime himself? Uh, I just start, you know, basically to, okay, I, I go through w- what is the context of the call. So before I reach out to that person, I already know the subject matter. And, and not only that, but the way the call is going to go step th- one through eight. You know, I, I know the line of questioning I'm going to use. I know what rapport building stuff I'm going to be doing. I know how to get them down to the finish line by the end of the call because I want it to be a productive call. I don't want it to be just me. Oh, Hey, how was your day? How are the kids? And just like this small talk, this meaningless small talk, that stuff is great, but I want to go deeper than that. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm a hired professional to do a professional job. And my goal is to help them get to that finish line. So part of my job is guiding them to, through that path. So that's part of it. It's about like planning for the call. What do I want to achieve before that call? So I'm going to pause you for a moment because I just want to like really emphasize the guidance, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you are a hired professional. You're providing a service mm-hmm. and the people who are coming to you, even though some people in the same similar profession mm-hmm. don't think this, 
they want to be guided. That's right. And they may not fully express it in that way, but it's like, I know when I hire somebody and I'm guided and I'm just like, oh, I'm in great hands. That's right. Like, I just fall. I just go. Like, whatever whatever questions, I will answer it. Like, whatever information, mm-hmm. I will give it. Like, please guide me. That's right. You and want like, that. And, and you are and you're taking ownership of, I am the, like, I am guiding. Yeah. Right? And, and we had this thing when we were bringing in okay, we have studs now on our team, right? And these guys are more than proficient in, in their markets and they're doing really big things. But one of the, the core philosophies in the beginning was I had to impute into them, listen, guys, we're in the Toronto condo market. They are lucky to get on the phone with us because if they weren't calling us, they could be calling someone who's totally unqualified to help them and will end up putting them in a neighborhood that is derelict that, you know, you have, nothing but challenges in the future, right? And it's like a losing negative equity property, basically. Uh, they're lucky to get on the phone with experts that actually know what they're doing and can guide them down the path. So have that knowledge going into the call and then guide it down that path for them. So don't feel don't feel nervous or hesitant to, to go down that uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. with them and, and be the professional right yeah, away be in the beginning. Be the professional. That's, that's huge. That's huge. So that's like a subtle reminder for us every time we get on the phone. And I remind myself. So you're priming. That. So you're priming, mm-hmm. right? Like you know what process you're going to go through when you get into the call. That's right. What else, is there anything else that you do to I mean, I make sure I have good energy, right? So I, ultimately, everything in sales is an energy transfer. So I'm trying to transfer that energy into the potential client so that they'll want to work with me because people don't want to be sold to. They want to go shopping with friends. And if you make that process very fun and seamless for them and convenient, they're going to work with you. So part of my job as a salesperson is to get that energy transfer to whoever I'm talking with. So I have high energy and I got to really amp myself up before the call. You'll catch me routinely doing push-ups between calls I'll actually drop down just to get my my blood rushing. I'll do push-ups or I'll be drink, sipping green tea nonstop. And I'll just get really hyper and not hyper, but like ultra caffeinated yeah. or whatever, right? So energy, energy, energy. But it's a controlled energy. Mm-hmm. It's not above the energy of the person I'm on the phone with. If, yeah, you got to match. You know, you got to match their energy. Yeah. Mimic them. <laughs> Can't be too hype. <laughs> or otherwise, you won't, be, you won't be on the same planet to even do a deal. And I've seen that or too. And that's, that's just crazy, man. I couldn't yeah. do that. So like energy transfer is one. And then, you know, I'm, I'm prepping for that call to be enthusiastic and have that energy transfer. But I'm also, I have a kind of a, a cue on what what I want to discuss with them. So that's the second part we talked about. And I really want to tap into what their primal motivation is on that call. Like, why is this call taking place? And what is my utility within that call? Otherwise, I'm just spending time and turning wheels. Mm. So ultimately... looking busy. Yeah, and I'm trying to avoid that. Yeah. (laughs) What's the point? Like, just take the day off if you're not Mm going to be productive. It's like, yeah, enjoy your life. You have to be useful. It's like, you don't just use a tool to use it. Like, it has to be useful towards something. You got to exactly make sure. No, that's, I think that's really helpful for so many people. Like, that's, you have to have systems too. Uh, A lot of people are, you're you're very methodical before you enter 
the conversation. There's a lot of prep. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of one of the things I do uh, a real subtle exercise that I do before that is I, I think what are the body of questions that they might have? Okay, like I think of the origin of the inquiry and what do they want? So then I try to come up with a, a realm of answers to that ahead of time. Not answers, but what is the right perspective to respond to that with? So I'm already mentally aware of the questions they might have. And based on experience, I know more or less the general five questions they might have. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Like if, if a seller is thinking of selling their home, you better know what the prices are for the neighbor's home who sold, right? Mm-hmm. Why would I care about what, what the prices are in a complete different city? I don't care. Or, or what is your marketing? How is it differentiated from everyone else? How do you stand out of the pack? Mm-hmm. So you, you got to have to have an answer for all that. You got to be ready, right? So preparation is key. And I think being overly prepared is the best way to set yourself up to get the result that you're looking for in that call. Otherwise, you're, you're just wasting time. You might as well just go to the gym, go to the theater, go for a <laughs> night out, go get tacos. Like, do, do all that then if you're not ready. And then come back when you're, you feel you're going to be optimal and productive for two hours instead mm-hmm. of eight. Yeah, eight, I, and you're stretching it. You're like stretching all the all the tasks over the eight. Yeah, and it's momentum, right? So a, a lot of people they catch really good momentum and they go in that trajectory, and they have they go on to have really successful businesses or careers, and it's because they tapped into that positive momentum in one direction. And then there's the the inverse of that where they get a negative mom- momentum and they let that dictate the next ten, twenty years of their life. Oof. And that's a damn shame. So you got to really identify where you're heading. And when you get successes, one of the ideas that you always kind of um, instilled in me was celebrate your wins. You know, don't just sit there and and be blasé about your wins, like really create a moment where you feel the win. Why do you think people don't do that? Why do you think high achievers don't celebrate their wins? From your own perspective and from what you see. I don't know, man. That's a really tough one. Uh, I think it's an obsession. You know, they're more obsessed maybe with the process as opposed to the outcome. So, I mean, I can feel that on a certain level where you're more you're more tied to the process and than the achievement or the outcome of it. I get that. So that might be one. Uh, the other one is just, you know, the endless distractions. They don't really, they forget about themselves. Why, or why they got into whatever they're doing in the first place, mm. right? And I think the best way to level up would be to actually celebrate your wins or your achievements because then it creates an event to strive towards, right? So if you have a certain sales target for the month in your business, you want to sell 20 insurance policies or whatever, reward yourself. Do something that makes it an event at the end mm-hmm. of the month so that you have a motivation to do it the next month again or even one-up that and do one and a half times the production level you had. And I think these if you tie these positive reinforcements to whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you'll then eventually overachieve. If you look back a year from now and you'll go, wow, those milestones I had set out in January were nothing. I destroyed them and I doubled whatever that was by the end of the year. And you're routinely doubling that. I feel like I feel like so many of us forget that it can be that simple. Like you re, you have reinforcing habits, mm-hmm. and you know, for thirty in a thirty day span in a month span, 
to achieve those results, you're going to do things that you enjoy, mm -hmm. but maybe 80% of it you don't really enjoy, right? right? Right. So it's like to make that stuff worth it, like at the end of it, you should have, you know, I hate saying should, but like it would be so much more empowering mm. to be like, okay, well, 20% of this, like I'm doing stuff that like I'm really great at, I enjoy it. And then 80% mm -hmm. of it might be like the legwork where it's just like I really got to kind of push through it. But then at the end, like here's the chocolate at the end. You know, you gotta like, have that big payoff. At yeah, the end, there's a right? little bit of a payoff. And then you start over again for the yeah. next month. Yeah. And then it's a cycle, right? You got to find your moments, you know, and, and you got to reward yourself, whatever mm -hmm. it is. I mean, we're not doing this just to float through life. Yeah. Like it's about celebrating life. And I think these milestones are great because they help you celebrate the reason why you got into whatever your craft is from day one. So, I mean, I'm, I'm routinely implementing it in every aspect of my business and life. And because of that, I really feel like it's helping me hit levels that I haven't before. So I really want to, uh, I want to say thank you for that. Cause honestly, you gave me, you gave me the inspiration to start rewarding myself. Otherwise I would have been just continually smashing through these <laughs> goals with no reward and just living like a zombie, man. It's my pleasure, man. <laughs> and like, it's, I mean, it's, and you inspire me, like me watching your journey. And they're just like, holy, like I, even, I tell Jen, I'm like, look what Andrew's doing. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, it's like, you're doing some magical stuff. Thanks, like, brother. Really? Like, it. I think people from the outside looking in, might, they look at it and they're like, wow, this is kind of impossible. Like, what you're achieving is kind of impossible, right? And um, I mean, on that note, like, I would love to know what, what, has, what motivates you mm -hmm. to do the things that you're doing because there's an incredible, incredible amount of thoughtfulness in what you're doing. Like, you're being very methodical about right. it and you've found a way to... to uh, kind of uh systematically and elegantly kind of organize it so it all it's it's all moving towards mm -hmm. something but i want to know like what's behind it like what's the fuel in your fire like what is it mm -hmm. i mean to keep the congruency or keep me on track i always think like you're either you're either motivated by the possibility of gain or the fear of loss and i try to set up my mind every day what if I didn't have any of this or what is the worst case scenario and never go back to that or never fall back into bad habits. So I try to use the fear of loss to motivate me to move forward all the time. And that's my motivation. Oh, oh, so you, motiv you, so you meditate on the fear of loss. Yeah. And it's, it's morose like, to think that's this? what has to motivate you. But I'm also realistic for me. It works. You know, it actually mm -hmm. works. It, it propels me to do certain things. Right. I think we're similar in that sense because mm -hmm. I noticed that I take a tremendous amount of action when my back is up against the wall. Interesting. Where I'm like, now I'm, I'm screwed if I don't take action. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't need to let myself get to that point yeah. anymore. Yeah. You know, maybe I could just do what Andrew does and just meditate. <laughs> you know, just meditate once a day and just be like, okay, what if I'm just, you know, like there's an exercise that I created um, around this and it's called the counter vision. Huh, and it's, interesting. Um, what does your life look like if all the worst, like all your worst ways of being, like mm -hmm. just inhabited you for 12 months? Oh, man. Like, what does it look like? <laughs> you know, and I did that in the last maybe two years, I think, that, that exercise for myself. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, 
it's so true you're either motivated towards gain like chasing the gold at the end of the rainbow or you're motivated by the freaking lion that's chasing you yeah right about to eat you alive yeah. <laughs> and then what if you have both oh shit like what if you have both <laughs> you know we glorify like having a vision it's mm -hmm. great to have a vision but what if you have like the, what you're saying is like a morose vision, like yeah. a very dark, dim, grim vision. It's also, I mean, the byproduct of having immigrant parents, right? So, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of your listeners are going to relate to it where, you know, their parents came to the country with nothing and, you know, they worked their ass off to get to where they are today so that you can have an amazing life. Not even them. Think of how selfless and altruistic that is, Right. So for you to not be successful or to fail is embarrassing because they really set it up. So I'm, I'm a huge, like, you just, you got to do something to honor your parents' uh, vision for why they came here to Canada or the States or Australia or wherever you're listening uh, at this podcast. You know, if you have immigrant parents, you, you've seen how much they struggled to get to where you are today. And the, the sad part is they'll never experience the conveniences and luxuries that you're going to experience. So you owe it to them. And that's, mm. for me, that's you a motivating to... factor, right? <sighs> so I think about all the stuff they went through, the jobs they had, the crap jobs, and like the problems they had to endure, you know, being in ESL for so long just to learn the language so they can get over that first hurdle, right? And that, that's been hugely motivating. Where are they for from me. again? Hungary. Hungary. So they're from kind of like a war-torn, war like communist part of Europe where the Russians were basically making the Hungarians sing their national anthem in Hungary. And like we had to forfeit soccer games to the Russian team, which were a bunch of monkeys with cleats. And <laughs> <laughs> like that's, the, that's where they came from. So like they came from a survivor mentality. It wasn't a thriving mentality, yeah. right? Uh, so they might not understand a lot of the stuff that you and I do in order to thrive, but their ultimate... But we could only thrive because of... Their sacrifice. Their sacrifice to survive. So that, that is very empowering. When you, when you understand... And this is, you know, it's... Did you always have that No, that's the mindset? thing, right? It's not. You yeah, don't appreciate like, it when you're young. Yeah, like how old were you when you saw that? Because I feel like... That took me time as well. Man, I was pissed because, like, my dad, when I was 14, he was forcing me to get under-the-table jobs so I can appreciate what hard work is, right? So he dropped me off at Tomar Firewood, which is, like, a couple blocks away from where we lived. And he's like, you're going to dig gravel for cash under the table and stack them on 50-pound bags on top of skids. And you're going to do it for $5 an hour to understand what hard work is, right? Wow. And that's the immigrant mentality. So, I mean, it's, it's that hardship that will callous your mind and get you to the mm -hmm. point where you're not scared of hard work. Eventually. But at the time, you were like... I'm pissed, man. <laughs> my buddies are playing basketball one block away from my work. And they're, they're you know, basically knocking on my door saying, you know, is Andrew home? No, no, he's, he's shoveling gravel. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, you're pissed in the moment, but then you think back and you're like... This was actually one of the biggest things that happened in my life in terms of mindset. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm all about mindset. You know, if you get that right, that's half the battle, man. Uh, mindset is everything. And I think from an early age, they developed that, 
that t- that mental toughness and willingness to absorb that kind of work mm. with that immigrant uh, parent mentality, right? So that's one thing for motivation. I mean, the other thing was always to lift up people around me. So my inner circle, I'm religious about the idea of lifting not only myself up, but everyone in my inner circle up with me. So like the whole concept of building a real estate team, look, it's a ton of work developing a team, running a team, managing it, um, providing, uh, providing the potential business for them, distributing it amongst them, and creating the, the systems and, and the protocols behind that. It's a full-time job times too. But I care about the people around me, and I want their welfare and benefit matters to me. I want them mm-hmm. to do well. So I've always had that mentality going in, and it's always motivated me and driven me to make sure that I don't just not, it's not about just doing well for you. It's about not failing your team and making sure that they thrive in that environment too. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm deeply attached to that. And that's part of my motivation in the morning to get up and make things happen. So it sounds like number one, it's to honor the sacrifice your parents have made mm-hmm. because it's like, they did all the things that they had to do that were not necessarily about, does this bring me joy? And does this bring me the most amount of money with my time? Like, no, they just did like, this is what we know. This is what we can do. Mm -hmm. Here's what's available to us. Mm -hmm. And they just went after it. And it's like, they did that so that you can have a sense of, you know, a level of comfort and level of Mm -hmm. access to another level of achievement. And what they've achieved is amazing. Think about it. What if you got up and uh, you were you were just like you know twenty year old, didn't know the language, totally uprouted your life, moved to a foreign country you know nothing about, you have no friends, no family, and you tried to learn the language from the ground up, get these these garbage labor jobs that you know you're just being you're working yourself to the to the bone, and enduring that for a certain amount of time until you actually can sustain a living. How many people have that that toughness? That I mental think that's toughness? an edge. Like I feel like people who do who have done that and are doing that have an incredible edge mm-hmm. because um, you know a part of me looks at uh, you know being born here as like I, I was born <laughs> in, in Toronto and I feel like I was I'm soft because of it. <laughs> you know there's a there's a part of me that really acknowledges like that's the truth. We're all wet, bread, you know. <laughs> I I went through some hell in my with my own choices. Like in my 20s, like entrepreneurially, and I think that helped uh, expose me a little Mm -hmm. bit and toughen me because I I kind of needed to have my own Mm -hmm. uh, rite of passage in that sense. But it's like I look at my parents and they they are that story. My people in my Mm -hmm. family are that story where it's like how much courage does it take to say – I'm going to a new country and my whole family's going to be left behind mm-hmm. and like I'm going to start I don't know anyone, I don't know anything, I don't know the language and I, but I'm going to build something here. Like powerful, what the man. hell? That's like, so powerful. You know, and we think of, you know, stepping into possibility, like stepping into the unknown and being in being outside of your comfort zone. I'm like, man, that is really really outside of your comfort <laughs> yeah. zone. Our challenges are diminutive compared to what they like. We're we're babies, man. We're babies. These third world, I mean, these first world problems are nothing. And when you take when you take that perspective of what they had to endure to make this amazing life for their offspring, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that should be a motivator for the sons and daughters of immigrant parents. And yeah. if you weren't fortunate for that, 
hopefully two or three generations ago when your parents immigrated, that that mental toughness was passed down a couple of generations and you got some of that. Because I do feel blessed to, yeah. to see that firsthand. That's and I beautiful. hope that's something that I can uh, pass on, like that mental toughness if I have offspring one day. Mm-hmm. So very important. You know? I think that's, this is a beautiful thing to, to acknowledge, you know, like kind of realizing that they planted the seeds right in your mindset in your soul set mm-hmm. and they help nurture it even like even when you're at that age you're like what the fuck how come i can't play basketball like i gotta do this five dollars an hour jesus right but then you look back you look back and you're like oh wow like if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have this work ethic you appreciate it a lot be able to create these types of results yeah and, and and like it, it's one of those things where it's just like you know it, it's it's great to get to the point of appreciation because mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like wow it's a piece of shit <laughs> like when I wasn't appreciating it I kind of feel guilty that I wasn't right for all those years but like I'm glad that I have that appreciation now kind of like you know what, what you're talking about um, I want to ra- I want to wrap up with a couple more questions if that's okay bring it man <laughs> I want to know what you're observing like what are you noticing is missing. Mm-hmm. out there especially especially when it comes to high performers entrepreneurs um the whole idea of like leadership and, mm-hmm. and personal growth and and uh all that stuff like what do you see is missing in the landscape mm, interesting i think um one one key component that i've been noticing and and look i've experienced it too it's it's really immersing yourself in what it is you want to do like from the ground up just just loving every second of it and not loving every second of it, but experiencing every second of Mm. it. A lot of people like to convince themselves that they're fully immersed in whatever their craft is, but they're not. They haven't went through every single part of the cycle of emotions that go through it. And they haven't tried everything. They haven't been curious and they haven't explored everything. I think we need to get away from the idea of I'm, I'm part of this. So I'm entitled to this. It's not the case. No one owes you anything. And the, ultimately, I think if you immerse yourself in whatever it is and you really appreciate everything from the ground up within your craft or your skill set, you start to develop a genuine interest in it and it shows. And you start overachieving and you start learning more about your craft. So it's, it's basically that 10,000-hour rule. Hmm. It's that continually practicing or learning your craft mastery. And if you don't fall in love with the process, but you're more tied to the result or the achievement, you'll never, you'll never get to the level you want in life in general. So I think that's missing. I feel like people are very, they, they want it all tonight. You know, everything. Why the, why are people so impatient? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm impatient. Like, too, I mean, nature, I was, I mean, I'm impatient. But maybe it's because I've had years of seeing how, like, it's just not fruitful to be that impatient, <laughs> yeah. and that things end up just happening anyways, like, mm-hmm. and just remove that that stress. But like, yeah, that's that's what I see. It's like it's it's a bad. They reflex. want everything now, everything now. Mm-hmm. Outcome, I want that now. The glam now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're being reconditioned to think that way, right? Mm. So with all the modern advances and conveniences, like, dude, you could wake up at two in the afternoon if you wanted and have sushi delivered to your door within minutes yeah 
and have such a convenient, beautiful life. And you don't have to work for it the way you might have had to in the past, right? Like before, these cell phones could do all these things and order, you know, order food to your door. We had beepers, and we had to basically get a stupid message on a beeper that would give you the number, not even the name, and call it. Run to get a payphone <laughs> and and actually get on the phone with a human being and talk. Like that's that's what I mean by convenience. Uh, we're just expecting we've been conditioned in this current era to just get everything immediately, right? And I think we need to fall back in love with with the process and getting to the result in due mm. time. Right? Oh. Don't don't be attached to the result, but be attached to the process. Yeah, cuz the result is like the event. You know, mm. and the event is the thing that you see on Instagram. Right. The event is here's the outcome, here's the end product, here's the before and after shot. But what we don't necessarily really get to see is the process, which is grueling. I'd love to do a real estate reality show showing all the fails. I'd love to, like, seriously, I'd love to never show a celebration with champagne. I'd like to never show an over-asking sale. I'd like to show what goes into that, the process behind yeah, the scene. What, what, to get the, the legwork, to, to, like, the stress, the mental anxiety you go the through hospitalization to get to that. all of it i'd like to show that part of it because i think that's a more accurate representation of the day-to-day mm-hmm. and i think we glorify the result too much and not enough the process so i mean i think the person who comes up with a reality show showing behind the scene all the fails and all the hardship and all the legwork and grunt work to get to where they are is the guy who's going to be the most successful because he's fallen in love with the process. He doesn't care. He's not tied to the result. So he loves what he does irrespective of what happens. And I think that's what we need to develop more so than this, you know, fly by night, quick, quick result, quick hit of dopamine, the only the glorified version of whatever your story is. We need to de- develop like we, the racing to the, to get to the part where they could snap the Instagram. Forms. Yeah, it's crazy, you know? it's man. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's crazy. We got to avoid that. I mean, Are there any other mistakes that you see people like just constantly making around you where you're just like, wow. Uh, ego related. I see a lot wow. of narcissism and ego in general. And I think if the moment you remove the ego and you remove the narcissism, and you you start doing things for the right reasons, I think you fall in love with with it more, you know? If it's all ego, then your your result is attached to how that, you know, how are you perceived, and you care too much about what people think, or Mm -hmm. you care too much about the result or how that's perceived. But if, if you remove that, and it's just you, and whatever the process is, then you don't care anymore, it's so liberating. You just do it because if no one was in the room, would you be happy with what you're doing today? Would you do what you do right now if nobody was watching? I think there's a lot of people who are who, who will say no. <laughs> it's crazy, you know, man. like where they're doing things because there is going to be that applause. There is going to be that acknowledgement. And, and that's, you know, like and I only know that intimately because I am that person and was that person you know i think less and less but it's just like i work very very hard now to see to to make sure i'm doing things that like behind behind the scenes where i'm not going to get any 
acknowledgement for it. No, right. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to be a good, really good person, mm-hmm. right? I'm just going to try to live my values, even if no one is watching. Yeah. Like one of the most powerful questions that my coach asked asked me. He says, "If your clients watched you all day, every day for a week, would they still want to listen to you? Hmm. Will they still want to listen to your coaching and wow. your guidance?" And, I would, and that had me stop, like stop and think. And for the people who are listening, maybe it's, maybe it's your son or your daughter. What if you ima- imagine them watching you, right, mm. for seven days, 24 hours a day? If, if, you're an, if you have employees, what if, what if your team watched you all day, every day for seven days? Would they still follow your leadership? <laughs> and it's not a matter of like perfection, but mm. excellence. Right. Like even though you're we're all flawed human beings are you taking responsibility are you making powerful choices are you mm-hmm. working on becoming more and more in alignment with your values mm-hmm. are you um still a work in progress but working on you know living your principles mm-hmm. right and and i think us living from that place i, I think would be very very empowering that's so powerful man that's really powerful I, I really think you should come from that perspective. If no one was watching, are you happy with what you're doing? Are you? Do you feel good about what you're doing? Yeah. Are and you satisfied? Are you still? Don't relinquish that power to everyone around you. You know, don't 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 feel as if what what people how people perceive you matters. It, I mean, it does on some level, but that shouldn't guide you through your day to day. Yeah, we shouldn't put all our investment on the validation. Like experiment with that, you know, don't put up everything in your social media, what you're doing, just try to live and and, and see what happens, mm-hmm. you know, try to do your routine without anyone noticing. Yeah. How, that's how one thing I was feel? thinking about. Right? How do you feel then? Yeah. Right? Do you, are you still happy with the things you're doing? Yeah. Or do you just want the adulation or fans or whatever? I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing. Like I, I still don't get it. I probably I think never we're will, kind but... of in that we're, we're like we're in a, a space right now where we have not we have to, but I mean, those of us who choose to um, need to reimagine the relationship with social media, with sharing of ourselves and sharing what our what our personal lives are like, mm-hmm. because, yeah, there is that extreme of, well, here's what I'm eating. Here's my routine and here's everything that I'm doing and here's everything where I am and like mm-hmm. everything. And then there's also the opposite of just like, OK, I need detox, right. which, you know, every once in a while we need to we need a detox. Like what's the like, where's the balance? And I think I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but that's kind of what I'm toying with right mm-hmm. now is I'm like, oh, do I wake up at this time and you know, do all these practices and then t- tell everybody that like, here's my well-being checklist because it's for them right. or is it for me or is it like, what, what, why am I doing it? Right. You know, like, I think that's, it's interesting that you say that you're like, you know, try to do, try, you know, try to live some of your life without having to, you know, be validated, to be validated without mm-hmm. having to post about it and get that validation that way. So that's like a new phenomenon for sure, man. What do you see? What, what do you see? like dangerous trends of what people are doing right now to kind of sabotage their own happiness, you know, Mm. is there anything you see that's kind of come to the forefront where that's, that's really, you know, it's, it's sabotaging their lives. They could live without it and they'd be better off for it. I mean, for me, this, it constantly goes back to 
what we were talking about when it, what led you to hospitalization mm-hmm. i just constantly see people um working so hard because they're number one if you're passionate and it means something to you and you're doing something purposeful and you feel that connection with what it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. it makes it even harder to stop the doing (laughs) you know like you've kind of built you've constructed this environment for yourself where you better be doing like you should be doing more um but then it comes at an incredible cost when Mm. When we sacrifice just rest, Mm -hmm. right? Like number one, just sleep (laughs) or um, quality time with yourself, quality Mm -hmm. time with the people that you love, even just for a little bit, just a little bit of groundedness in in well-being, in self-care and taking like when I listen just from interviewing you, like I could sense that you have so much more appreciation with like assessing Mm-hmm. Like you're assessing, you're reviewing, you're taking a pause and you're questioning. You're mm-hmm. saying, okay, well, how's this working? Is this partnership happening? Mm-hmm. Like, like, wh- like, where am I going wrong? Like, you, like, sounds like you're really taking the time. And I think if you're so focused on just working, working, working all the time, and it's also inefficient, not, not productive, it's a slippery not slope, on the right man. things, not on the most appropriate things, not on the things that. Uh, you know, like what are your values and are you doing the things that line up with those values? Like for you, it's, it's clear. Does this make me happy? And does this produce revenue or Mm -hmm. does it have a potential to produce revenue? So you have like some guidelines. I think some people haven't stopped to, to look at what are my values Mm -hmm. and is all the thing, like is my schedule in alignment Mm -hmm. with those values? Mm -hmm. And And I think that's kind of the biggest danger and it does lead to that, the path of burnout to to the path of of like okay i'm gonna be on the couch for four weeks and mm-hmm. horizontal because i can't get up because totally. i fried myself <laughs> which totally. happens right which i get into conversation with people who like that has happened yeah you can't open the door even a little to that possibility because the moment you do you're in danger that now you've op- opened that opportunity to pen- potentially go down the wrong path you know and you got to be careful. That's why you got to have standards for yourself on mm-hmm. what you're going to do and what 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 your innate is telling you you should be doing. So, like, don't don't be tempted to get into that lazy path to do things a certain way. That is lazy, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not it's not well thought out. No, when you're just so busy, and, and you you know the other thing that shows up for me is, I think, I think that there's for some reason because maybe the impatience. And because of what we see uh, other people accomplishing um, and just like that highlight reel, I feel like when some people who are so productive or so busy, they stop and think, they fear that by stopping and thinking, they might question everything that they're doing and drop it. (laughs) And like, now who am I? Now I'm forced to like start from scratch. Right. It's like, I'm so scared to stop and ask myself, am I happy? Because if I find out that I'm not, then maybe everything was a waste. Is a waste. And I think I think there's an avoidance to that oh, as man. well. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. You should definitely take take inventory of what's what's working for you and what's not. Yeah. And what you enjoy. I don't know, man. People need to uh take a step back every now and then. It's worth it. You mm-hmm. know? And you realize that with age too, man. Yeah. You know, at, at a certain point you've been through enough experiences where you realize you can't just continue doing things a certain way. 
and your time is limited and you really got to you got to pay attention to that and make those positive changes if you can you know uh, i hate to come off too much like a feel good guy or like i'm critiquing things or whatever <laughs> like i'm not trying to critique i mean i have i have a lot of things that i can improve but uh, maybe i'm not the right guy to be giving advice on a podcast but <laughs> <laughs> I mess up too much, but you know, I, I, I'm not scared to try different things. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. The curiosity and growth is very important for us. Would you say that entrepreneurs are born or made? That's interesting, man. Cause you can, you can adapt to any skill set you want. And, but at the same time, your risk aversion the risk aversion of an entrepreneur is very unique to them. You can't recreate that. You know, there's people that are just averse to taking chances in life, right? Mm -hmm. Not just in business, but in life. They just, they're not going to bungee jump. No matter how much you try to convince them that it's going to be an adrenaline rush, they just won't take it. And they're, they're risk averse. What if I could, I could, the cord could cut and I could die. (laughs) (laughs) They won't take a chance, right? But then there's some guys that are like, if the cord cuts, I'll be reincarnated. Screw it. Whatever. Yeah, I want yeah. that adrenaline right now. If it happens, I feel the it happens. G-force. Yeah. <laughs> That's an entrepreneur from day one. They were born entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? So there's certain things you can teach, skill sets you can learn. But at the core, an entrepreneur is typically born, you know, and they're not scared to try different things. And they're willing to risk it all. That's part of the 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 mental map of an entrepreneur. They're willing to risk it all at the potential, just the chance for gain, mm-hmm. you know, but with a high level of risk attached to that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are born. Serial entrepreneurs are born. The is, ones there, that, is there a question that you would suggest people ask themselves to hmm. determine? Uh, am I willing to be homeless? <laughs> <laughs> would I would I be willing to be homeless and figure out everything from scratch? That is freaking awesome. Dude, on the most primal level, if you lost it all as an entrepreneur, could you endure that, right? Oh my god. And I think are you willing to be homeless? Can you do that? Can you go can you give it all away and all every single thing that you have right now can you give it up at the potential that this would actually happen? So that's to me that's a pretty powerful question. I don't know. That is a, I think that is a great I'm great willing. I'm question. willing to go homeless I today. Am, man, I've done some really intense things <laughs> and I've and I've gone through some serious hell. And like yeah, there there's some choices that are just not on the table for me. Right. Right? Where I've had to um not really entertain, but like it's it's sometimes my survival mechanism comes up mm-hmm. and it's just like, hey, if this doesn't work, are you gonna <laughs> go like make your resume after ten years? Like are you gonna like do this? Uh, like I don't really entertain it, but I'm just like, no, that's not on the table, man. Right. Like I, th- it, it comes at such a price. There's a lot of things you gotta say no to as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. that might mean you have some conveniences and some, you know, some liquidity. Mm-hmm. But if it if it's really about creation mm-hmm. and 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 uh, birthing something and like building a craft and doing something where you can feel satisfied if mm-hmm. you died today, like I think it, it takes it takes that much. Mm-hmm. It takes. Are you willing to be homeless? Hmm. Like it takes that. I think it's very that's empowering, sick, man. If a, you feel like you know, if you're building something that's yours no one can take it from you right mm-hmm. and 
I think that's a huge driver too for an entrepreneur, right? The, the ability to build something from the ground up and experience the fruit of their, their labors, right? And, and then what's beautiful about that is that you can do it again. Mm-hmm. Like if, and I think that's the thing that us as entrepreneurs need to, we need to get to the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to like work our asses off to get to the point where we can look at this and be like, okay, well, if this was all gone, I know I can do it again. Yeah. You know, like you have to go through all the self-doubt, all the hell, yeah. all the all the adversity to build something from your heart, from your mind, from nothing, right? Yeah. From nothing, something. Mm-hmm. And then if you have the power to do that once, you can do it again. You can recreate You that. dissolve a partnership, you dissolve a business, you stop one career path, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. you trust and you know in your soul, in your gut that you can. Yeah, that's massive, yeah. man. And, and like look at look at on a fundamental level how to start how do venture capitalists fund startups right they they go in I with know. the knowledge of 19 out of 12 20 uh things that they invest in are complete throwaway projects oh and they're going to lose money on it but they do it with that risk aversion knowing that the one that hits could hit big so they're okay with it and they come yeah. to terms with it right yeah. and they know that they can recreate the wealth behind the funding that they did at any point Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's about that mentality of even if someone took everything away from you, are you at peace? Can you, can you live that way a certain while until you get back to where you need to be? And I think that's, to me, that's the most powerful thing. No one can take anything from you once you're at that point, you know. What's something, cra- something you believe that other people think is crazy? That I believe? Yeah, what's something you believe hmm. and other people think? Wow, that's a really crazy. Uh, that's an interesting question, man. Um, hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna say this because I'm kind of developing a different outlook on it. But for the longest time, I was anti-marriage. Like, I, I, I honestly thought around me, I noticed a lot of people that were not genuinely happy in marriages mm. or in like some what they would call committed relationships. So that was a convention that I always challenged in my own mind. I thought. You don't have to be married. You don't even have to deem yourself in this crazy committed relationship. I watched my aunt and uncle live together, common law, like best friends for 30, 35 years or whatever it was until my uncle passed, right? But the point is they weren't married and they had a great life. Wow. They had like, to me, that was the happiest couple I've ever seen in my life. They're really genuinely happy and they lived every day with happiness. Wow. So I always challenge that convention just because of my surroundings. And I'm seeing like, I see the divorces at, at a grassroots yeah. level when I'm dealing with the estate or like right. selling their, their marital home. <laughs> yeah. The real estate agent is one of those calls to make, right? You're a lawyer, you're a realtor. It, right? I really yeah. do. I genuinely hate it because there's a lot of emotion. It's highly charged and it's a shitty situation for everyone involved. And you're Nobody, in the middle of it. Yeah, and, and you have to absorb a certain bit of that energy, and yes. it sucks, but yes. you do it because you're hoping transfer. that they would move on with their lives, and then you, in some way, you play a small role to helping them move on and get closure, and then eventually find their happiness. So yeah. there is that. But yeah, I've always challenged that convention. But here's the other thing, the mature thing, the mature side is that I'm also challenging my belief on that now. <laughs> and is that is that truly... You know, do I have to be so, do I have to question it the same way I always have? Mm-hmm. Maybe like, are there you is changed? happiness there, like my aunt experienced, you know? Yeah. Uh, so don't, don't prejudice that 
you know, there is potential happiness there too. So that's a weird one. <laughs> no, that's a, no, I think that's really interesting. But yeah, I mean, that's one. Okay. Um, aside from that, hmm, I'm really on the spot. I'm trying to think of a couple other things I've mm -hmm. challenged, but that's a big one. Also, you don't have to do what everyone tells you. You know, you don't have to have a salary job. You don't have to go to university. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in getting a higher education. Specialization is great. Learning a craft, learning a trade, going to school for certain things is worth it. But don't do it for the sake of going to university and putting you have a BA in, in like psychology or I'm not trying to knock someone that has that, but like find a way to use that and benefit from whatever it is. What I'm saying is don't go to university just for the sake of going to university. You know, challenge that. Maybe take up a trade or something else. You know, go with purpose is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And not because that's the convention and that's what you're supposed to do when you're out of high school. So uh, that's where I stand. But like I mean, you're, you're really about like having people think, like think for themselves. Yeah. Like really freedom of thought and, and really questioning everything. Yeah. I think you got to question, question everything. Yeah, question everything and not just kind of take the take the path that's been laid for you yeah so yeah. i mean look i went to university and and the thing is i valued my time there because i actually did something that i gained i benefited from but if i didn't see that back then i wouldn't have went you know and i would have avoided mm -hmm. it and i would have gotten right into whatever else interested me at the time so don't don't handicap yourself by throwing away three to four years of your life in, in uh, you know a stream of education that you don't intend to pursue long term, and go into debt for as well for nothing. Like yeah. that whole that that mental construct is fading on some level. I went to university, and I'm a huge advocate for people that go, but go for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Challenge it. Don't go just because that's the thing to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's been a big one for me too. Like always question everything around you. I, that's that's something. I feel inside, you know, I, yeah. I feel like I got to question everything. That's why when you hear these methodical decision-making patterns, that's where it comes from. It's like it's you're because asking, of that, right? You're continually asking, like, do I really need this? Or yeah. like, I know Kevin O'Leary had a quote about money and money management. It was um, basically you ask yourself before every purchase major or minor, do I really need this? Like, not do I want it? Do I really need it? And, and what, what do I need it for? Like, is there something I'm, is there something that, that I will gain from purchasing this? Mm -hmm. And if not, don't do it. Don't do it. Save that money for the occasion where you actually really for need it. For the right thing. Yeah. yeah. So I use that same thought process with everything. Do I really need this in my life? And it's about stripping away things that are detracting from happiness or your time mm. or energy. And then only focusing on the stuff that you really need at the you're core. very purifying it you're purifying your it's a cleanse man yeah <laughs> um what is something that you make look easy but is difficult for the for the rest of us i've had this feedback from people around me where they're like dude you can just walk in the room and get to know people like uh you'll know these guys are all strangers but mm -hmm. you'll somehow get them to warm up and it's ridiculous. Like I was in a, I was in a cab ride in Thailand um, last, no, about a year and a half ago almost, like a year and four months ago. And 
someone in that same cab was already fighting with the the cab driver. Like this is a language barrier. He barely knew English, but they were fighting somehow. So oh they're just yelling God. in their own native tongue. <laughs> it was madness, dude. And I somehow came in and just started a whole bunch of nonsense. And like I diffused the situation within five minutes. Right. I, I re- realized that the cab driver really liked Muay Thai. So I did a couple uh, stupid things for him. And then he just kind of was laughing the whole time. Wow. So that's one thing people around me were like, you have an uncanny ability to come in a room and just kind of either bring people together or bond somehow in a weird way, build rapport with the people in there. Yeah. You could, yeah. You strike me as like you, uh, like a navigator, like you can navigate conversation and I don't care. I'm not uncomfortable in any situation, yeah. dude. And like I'll, I'll pff, dude, I'll go into any situation I don't care if I don't know the language or I don't. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm all right. It's never going to bother. I was stuck in a Chengdu airport in China. I didn't. No one speaks English there, dude. Like, no offense to anyone who's there, but these guys were like elbowing each other at the conveyor belt for their <laughs> bags. Like it was savagery, dude. These were mountain people. I wa- I watched an old lady spit on the ground in front of her. <laughs> this is like a, someone's grandma, dude. She was an old lady who spit on the ground and and just dragged her duffel bag over the spit like it wasn't even a big deal. <laughs> and so I was stranded at that airport and somehow figured out a way to get out of there and catch our flight somehow, even though they just was, talking to a whole bunch of different just a lot of hand gestures. And, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And like commandeering a van that I saw and <laughs> like it was madness. While the person I was with was like crying, basically. Wow. They, they like breaking down. like No, actually stuck. crying, like physically crying, thinking that this is it. We're stuck. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't God. uncomfortable at all. I was like, yeah. whatever, we'll figure it out. You can let's, figure it out. Let's do something and let's be ridiculous while we're failing and try yeah. to make it happen. <laughs> what, um, what would you say to your, to, so how you're 38, right? Yeah. What would you say to the 28-year-old mm. version of you? I would say, first thing, uh, get to know yourself. Before you start trying to make all these friendships work or get into a relationship or start trying to be a part of something or communitas or like in anything at all, really get to know yourself first. It's like people that get into relationships and they think that relationship is going to complete them and make them whole. Really get to know yourself and be comfortable with you before you get into a relationship. Hmm. Because then you'll be your true self to that person and they'll love you for who you are and you'll have a better life. Or before you try to make friends, don't try to say the things that people are going to want to hear or do things for acceptance you know, of your peers Learn who you truly are and then put yourself out there and find the people that you want to be around. Don't try to conform to what people want to see or be who people want you to be. So my big thing to my 28-year-old self would be just really get to know who you are. Don't fall into the trap of trying to be what people want you to be. And I think there's a lot of pride that you get from that, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's that's something for sure I would be all over. If I could if I could ha- have a mulligan and redo that, I would be all over just trying to be myself from day one. Yeah. You know, and, 
and you know you learn you learn you get older and you, now i don't care i don't care how i'm perceived i don't care yeah. what people think i just want to be myself and surround myself around people that are like-minded what's there for what are you looking forward to like what are you excited about right now that's a really cool question man well i'm excited number one to um I'm excited for the next exploration. Like I'm driving myself to work really hard right now so I can get away sometime by June, let's say. Yeah. And go wherever I want in the world. Solo? Yeah, solo. I love traveling solo. I feel like you get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You meet people like locals and you really start to, you take in the situation a lot better. Whereas if you're in your comfort zone and you travel with people, you never get to explore and really understand your surrounding or yourself. Yeah, I man. Feel like people don't travel enough alone. And mm. you know, I convinced my best buddy actually to go to Costa Rica recently alone, and he hasn't traveled alone. He's always traveled with uh, friends or girlfriend, and he's a great guy. And I was like, dude, just go alone, experience it on your own, and get lost. Travel on your own, meet people. And he came back, and he was. He had a, he was beaming, man. Oh. I think he's never gonna travel with anyone again after that. <laughs> I know somebody who needs to hear this part of the interview, <laughs> like right now. Really, eh? I think, I mean, and you know, what? I think that's, there's a lot of somebodies. The yeah. traveling alone is such a big, big it's opportunity for man. for self awareness, for awareness of what's happening in the world, exploration, adventure, yeah. uh, learning. Like it's just, it's so, so mind blowing. Like what can happen and how you can transform mm -hmm. just by you separating yourself from that's that's like another version of like a elimination diet you eliminate yeah. everything that's familiar everything that you're attached to everything mm -hmm. everything that everyone that knows you like a, a projection that you have to keep up right mm -hmm. of like your image and you just go somewhere where no one knows that yeah and yeah. that's it and then like now you, you're just you yeah like that's it i think it's beautiful oh it's super powerful man yeah my, my uh, favorite trips have, well, I've had one or two really good ones with friends, but in terms of uh, gaining self-perspective and understanding yourself, when you go alone, there's nothing like it. And I feel like you have the space to not be influenced by people and your surroundings and your environment to really understand what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. And then you become your genuine best self after that, right? Yeah. So, Or you don't, but at least you got to travel solo and explore that, you know? So travel is a big one. Yeah, I want so to do look, that. you're looking forward to going on a solo trip to this anywhere. Summer. I don't know. I don't know where yet, but I but want to go going. somewhere where it's just completely off the beaten track, and I get to experience something that opens my eyes. You know. Yeah. And I don't I know that. where that is yet. I'm I'm toying with different ideas in South America, mm -hmm. but um, but it's definitely somewhere unique where most people in North America would be kind of nervous to go to, yeah. or or just wouldn't explore. That sounds like that's your recharging. Yeah, like I want, I want, there's going to be some exploration this year. Yeah. That that I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to um, just seeing how far I could take this year on my own. I think now that I've I've removed some uh, limiting factors in my life, I want to see how far my potential is this year to get to the level I want to get to. And I think that's powerful too, right? For your own sanity. You just want to know what you're capable of. It's like, yeah, can you can you actually achieve that? Yeah. Or am I just, you know, pretend I'm bullshitting myself. I can do that. So there's like the pressure's Testing on. Yourself, I want to yeah. test myself. I'm very competitive by nature. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening to the podcast today, 
by nature, they're very competitive and you're ambitious and you want to out achieve everyone around you. And that's at the core. Every entrepreneur has that. So this is the year I've kind of designated as, okay, put out and let's see what you got this year. Nice. So uh, I'm keeping score on my wall. That I want to see amazing. what happens. I love it, man. <laughs> Who needs to talk to you? Okay. Who needs to follow you? Who needs to connect with you? Who needs to talk to you? Mm-hmm. I think um, people that are in the in that uh, perpetual cycle of running their own business and you know uh, they feel trapped because we all felt that way. Guys like yourself, myself, people that have done it and been through the ringer more than once, they understand what you're going through. And I'd like to be the guy that says, it's okay, man. Like, don't give up. There's people out there that have been through the same thing you've been through. And I'm not trying to marginalize what you're going through. I just want you to understand there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And there's different things you could do to get back on track. And I feel like running a business is the loneliest place in the world, you know? And to know that there's other people that have been through that with you uh, and they've come out and done it is important to hear. I have mentors and you're one of them, Oliver. And there's, I've got like three mentors that I look up to and I'll, I'll take them out and pick their brain all the time because I feel like hearing it from them will give me the, the certainty or like the motivation I need to get to where I want to be. So those, I'd say those are the people that would need to follow me. And then genuine, genuinely curious people that just, you know, they want to explore themselves a little better and really try different things. They need to follow me too. <laughs> Is there a future career in like teaching or mentoring or authoring, <laughs> right? Like you yeah. distilling the wisdom. I mean, I thought you'd ask that at some point because you, you're very, you know, you're very um, measured in the way that you address everything that we've talked about mm-hmm. today. Like you can feel, I can feel like how well thought out every answer already is, even mm-hmm. though some of these questions you've probably never been asked. Right. And um, like to me, that speaks so loudly of like how deep that insight goes, like mm-hmm. how deep that wisdom actually is. And I feel like it is inside of you to uplift other people with with some of these things that you've accomplished, like from your direct experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like in living, in business, in growth, in mm-hmm. opportunity, and so is, is there? Do you see a, a future career for yourself, <laughs> um, being a motivator, a leader? In this moment, yeah. no. Uh, you know that's that's why I say moment. future. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Um, Look, I'm, I'm always fluid in the sense that I never rule anything out. And, you know, I'm, I'm very curious and explorative. So it's something I've thought about for sure. And, you know, it's, it's not been on top of mind the whole time. But I realize that I gain a lot from, from that experience of not mentorship, but, you know, being able to share, share some things that I've experienced with people that are in the same space or, mm-hmm. or same realm of uh, or same industry I'm in. So, yeah, I mean, I've toyed with the idea of not a mentorship. Like right now, I just hired two people. Not hired, but I brought in two people for mentorship right now wow. in my office. And uh, and actually, that was... that was That's sp- great. Yeah, it was spawned by the idea. Of, I mean, it's one part self-serving, but one part wanting to give back 
genuinely. There's like right? a win-win there. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like there's there's certain things you're limited for time all day, and you know if you offer mentorship to the right people and they're they're willing to take your mentorship and apply some of the principles and ideas that you've you've ran successfully you can offload certain things to them for their for their benefit so they can experience what you've done so that they can eventually get to where they want to be i love it so it's a mutual like you said it's a win-win and and it's part of the rite of passage i think you have to you have to do some heavy digging in the beginning as an entrepreneur and nothing is given to you. So if you're given a couple things that seem like grunt work or seem like a challenge right now, you have to go through that in order to get to where you want to be. And you're not above it. That's the one thing yeah. I know my father has always told me. Forget you and wanting that, that amazing bank job out of university or whatever. Um, Go work at Toys R Us if you have to. Put in work and just until float until you can swim and mm -hmm. then really get into what it is you want to do. You're not above it. You're not above it. That's Nobody's huge. Above it. And I treat my, my business right now that way. Yeah. So You're not above it. Like I, I'm treating everything I do with the team and the guys, the two guys I brought in for mentorship. It's about uplifting them, giving them opportunities that weren't always there for them. Because I never had mentoring in my old office, right? And, you know, I'm not going to be bitter about it. But what I'm looking at is now is my opportunity to give back. Mm -hmm. For something that I wish I had, I have the potential to give that back right now. And the guys around me, eventually, they're going to have that opportunity to give it back. And we owe it to the people around us to give back. Wow. So that's been kind of... That's been kind of an initiative I have right now. And I want to groom these guys and get them to where they want to be, where yeah. they're massively successful too. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy to hear that. <laughs> like that, that you're, you're, you're adding value in that way where you're turning around and like, hey, I didn't get this, you know, early on and that's what I needed or this is what I, you know, this is what I needed and I'm going to give it. Yeah. Right. Don't be bitter about yeah. it because you didn't receive it. Yeah. But look at it as, as your opportunity. Like it's basically... Um, You're in those shoes now. You know, yeah, it's like, oh, you were uh, a victim of a parent that beat you, so now you beat your kid. No, stop. And you create, you create change. You be the one who doesn't beat your child, you know? Mm -hmm. Just because you didn't receive mentorship doesn't mean you cannot be the guy mentoring people in the future. Yeah. Right? So don't let your circumstance dictate what you give back to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at it as like now's my opportunity to give back. Awesome, man! And you'll gain from it too, right? So yeah, like we said in the beginning of the conversation, it's you know when you teach, it re it like it reaffirms those lessons and mm -hmm. it holds you to a higher standard, and you, it kind of lands in another way. So it kind of circles right back to that. Yeah, totally, man. I'm uh, that's where I'm at. And where where can we find all of your happenings? <laughs> 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 oh man, okay. Uh, we could find what's going on by checking out Senor underscore Brunerhoff on Instagram. Uh, you can catch me in Park Lawn. I'm always around there going for walks, hikes, whatever. Mount Nemo. <laughs> Mount Nemo's another one. Yeah, shout out to Mount Nemo. Great hikes. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very accessible. I'm, I'm willing to chat with anyone. So if anyone has any questions after the podcast, reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to sit down with you and uh, go through some ideas for your own life and business too. Such a pleasure, man. <laughs> I, 
I have to just let you know that, man, sitting with you, spending time with you, so inspiring. Like, as we had this conversation for what now? Uh, two hours and 48 minutes. Oh, man. Just flew like <laughs> nothing to me. But the view, oh, like the lights of downtown Toronto are are just sparkling now. It's coming up. And the sun has started to wane, just come down a little bit. And now, yeah, just the, the, like the space has transformed. Like yeah. the energy has transformed. Like it's, it's such a beautiful space. But the, I, I want to just let you know that it's, um, it's an incredible honor to to know you and be able to share the space with you today and my man and and uh, you know have you in the, like in the hot seat so to speak <laughs> like tr- share all of your wisdom and um, you've gone through a lot thanks like, brother <laughs> like you've gone through a lot and uh, it's such a pleasure to know that through all the shit that you've gone through hospitalization five dollar an hour jobs like under the table and like living in the like pretty much the ghetto um to now you've built opportunities for other people to grow Mm -hmm. around you like you've built your business and your career so that it has a has a multiplying impact Mm -hmm. on other younger you know aspiring professionals and that you're starting to mentor like it's it's really great to see and i'm like it's hopefully that message spreads to all your uh listenership and uh you know they they get inspired to motivate and give back to the people around them too yeah. that's the big goal here yeah so th- thank you for the opportunity is there Thanks, any brother. final words for the people who are tuning in no that's it man greatest podcast of all time you better <laughs> tune in subscribe and uh pay attention oliver's got some great guests great ideas and And great ideas are worth sharing, so tune in. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Oliver Manolis Show. To support the show, please rate us with five stars and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show gain more visibility, which means we can impact even more people who are just like you. People who are rediscovering themselves, their purpose, what's possible for them, and looking to make a difference in the world. For daily stories, insights, and inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Oliver Manolis and at Oliver Manolis Show. If you heard something from the show that really landed for you, please feel free to screenshot it or share a quote from the show on your social media. And be sure to tag us and use the hashtag OMSHOW. That's O-M-SHOW. I make sure to read every single one of your posts and look forward to it. If you're curious about one-on-one coaching with me and want to set up a complimentary session, go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching. This is for you if you're a high achiever who feels spiritually bankrupt, if you want to align with your purpose and create an impact-driven business, if you are interested in creating a meaningful life. If any of this sounds like you, it would truly be an honor to see how I can support you. Go to olivermanalise.com forward slash coaching and book a complimentary session with me today. Well, that's it for today's episode. For links mentioned today, access to our entire library of episodes, make sure to go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And remember, a new episode drops every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe. We will be back with you before you know it. Are you ready to discover what's possible for you? Are you ready to live a more meaningful life and do work that matters? 
On November 16 and 17, I am leading the next reinvention roadmap. This is a two-day training I created on the principles I teach my clients to achieve the things they once thought were impossible. Things like going from zero to six figures in three months, going from dreading their nine to five job to doing purpose-driven work, going from overworked and burnt out to freeing up more than 20 hours a week to do more of what they love. If you know you're meant for more in life and business, but don't know where to start, join us at Reinvention Roadmap. Imagine what would become possible if you spent two whole days gaining the clarity, direction, and guidance to understand yourself at your core, break through hidden roadblocks, tap into your inner wisdom and intuition, and the actionable step-by-step process to transform your life. For tickets and information, go to reinventionroadmap.ca and use the promo code Ohm Show at checkout to save yourself 10%. That is Ohm Show, O-M-S-H-O-W. And as a valued listener of the show for a limited time, you can save that extra 10% off of the early bird price. Go to reinventionroadmap.ca and use the promo code Ohm Show.